everyone and welcome to episode 570 of Conversation Street. I'm Gemma. I'm Michael. And today we're talking about episodes broadcast in the UK between the 3rd and the 7th of April 2023. This episode is 10,918 to 10,900... Hang on. Oh, I've, got, oh, I've got my numbers wrong here. That doesn't even make sense. 10,918 to 10,923, that I should say, sorry. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> right. Never seems to have what I'm reading about. Um, the, yeah, we're, we're doing a bit of a different recording schedule this week, aren't we? Because it's currently Thursday evening, but hopefully this is still going to go out on Saturday morning as normal because... Yeah. We're going to Manchester again this weekend. It's Easter. It's Easter. Why not? We're going up to Manchester for Easter to go and do Corrie Tour stuff and everything. Um, so it's going to be like the idea today is we're going to record. We're going to be doing a little nice introduction for you guys. We're going to do the news. We're going to do the feedback. And then tomorrow, once we've watched Friday's Coronation Street, then we'll, we'll record about that. And then it'll all be a perfect, perfect package at the end, won't it? That's, that's the plan. It's probably going to sound different when we do the street talk to what it sounds like now, but... Yeah, yeah we don't know what our hotel room is going to be like. Who knows? Who knows? But anyway, just to, to warn you, things are being recorded out of order. But I'm sure you don't, you don't mind, do you? You don't mind. Look out. Just make sure you're looking out on our social media for pictures and things over the next few days for, for, for tour stuff. It's going to be good. Hopefully it's going to be good. It's exciting, but we've got lots of packing and stuff still to do, haven't we? So we probably better get on with this. We've got to do a quiz first, though, Jamie. You've got a nice quiz for me. Yep. The year's ending in a three and an eight, and I got this from coronationstreet.fandom.com. 3rd of April, 2013, final appearance of which two characters? Two characters? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 2013? No. What? No, I'm just trying to psych you out. Uh, <laughs> uh, who disappeared in together? I don't know. Um, well, then... Did they? Did they? Did they go together? Did he just like hold hands and like step into a hole in the ground, with a rainbow over the top of it? I really don't know. I might need a little bit of an extra clue. Can you give me a little bit of an extra clue? Two different, very dramatic storylines. <laughs> I can't remember at all. Have we been talking about this on quizzes Under recently? Women. Uh, oh, that's my alarm because I need to get something for our trip tomorrow. Well, you can't get it now. I, I do have to get it. What now. is it? It's that too good to go up. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, right. I, I don't know. I don't know. So, um, do you... Okay, who can I... The thing is, if I... it's too obvious if I give you a, a clue. No, that's fine. Um, one of them's now... Hang on a minute. They're both dead. One of them's dead now. Which <laughs> one dead? When you know? <laughs> I okay, um... Still too vague. Still too vague. I've not been... I, I, I don't know. Um... Oh, Kirsty! Kirsty must be one of them. Yeah. Yes. Definitely get a whole point for that. Definitely earned all by myself. Oh, who went at the same time as her? Is this a man or a woman? I told you, they're both women. You did, didn't you? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Who could it be? I don't know. Um, who could be the other person? <laughs> I don't know. You just have to tell me. I literally haven't got. Um, how... I've got to reserve this now. Two left. There's only two left. Do you want? Do you I'm want to try and get in... a rotisserie chicken. <laughs> You're ordering a rotisserie chicken for us to pick up tomorrow <laughs> in Manchester. Yeah. Live on the podcast. This, Seven, is, this yeah. is excellent. How much is Hang it? Hang on. Process and payment. Let's just make sure it gets through. Seven pound ninety eight. I don't want to ruin this. It's processing. Live on air. <laughs> Right, okay. I literally I set the alarm because it told me 
This is going to be available at three minutes past nine. Have you done it? Right. Hopefully now that's worked. <laughs> I'm sure everybody is very pleased. Um, I've just remembered. Did we? We were talking last week on the podcast about um, the Rover's fire. Is it related to the Rover's fire? Yeah. <gasps> is it Sunita? Yes. Yes. I'm going to give myself one out of two points for that one because I did get them in the you end. You already wrote but, a one. Okay. But but um. Rather, rather helped. Sunita gone ten years. Tragic. I know. Both dead now. Both dead. Oh my god. Both young okay. mothers let's, in their prime. Let's see if I can get this next one a bit quicker. Fourth of April, nineteen eighty-eight. Number thirteen. You're not. You're going to get this. I am. You're I? not going to get this. I'm not. Number thirteen <laughs> is shown to have a telephone for the first time in the history of the house. Number thirteen. Yeah. But which house was the first terrace to have one installed? <laughs> and what was the gap in years between the oh, two? That's not fair. It's not, it's not, it is fair. The first house in the terrace to have a telephone installed. Yeah. Um, well, you got to work out, this was 1988, and you got to work out how long before... Who was it that got a terrace? Number 13 got, yeah. got a phone in the... Well, it's, it's it's shown. It doesn't say they got a telephone. It says they're shown to have one. That's so funny that it was so late. I know. I'm gonna say number seven after the house was rebuilt. And when? What date do you think that was? How many years? Um, I'm also gonna say like six years. So you think number? What did you say? <laughs> I don't know. Number seven was rebuilt. <laughs> seven stop years. Repeating before, what I've said to make me sound in stupid. In 1981. Just tell me. And and they were the first people to get a telephone. They might have been. In 1981. Alright, that doesn't make... I've said it now, just sense, tell me, it? just tell me. You've made me feel stupid now. Number nine yeah. got a phone in 1962. Right. Which was 26 years between. Well, this. I'm wrong, what can I say? <sighs> Sorry, I'll do better with my next one. 4th of April 2018. Well, will I? David decides to go to an STI clinic and he gives a fake name. <laughs> Are you doing this on purpose? I'm not doing this on purpose. Yeah. What, what name does he give? Um, I don't know. Is it a name of an actual character? Yeah. <laughs> Roy Cropper. <laughs> if you thought about it, you might get it. But um, you're not going to even think about it, are Josh you? Tucker. Does he give Josh's name? No. Who? I had no idea. Gary hate... Windus. He hates Gary Windus. Uh, he does, doesn't he? Okay, right. You're not even trying. I am really trying hard. You're making these are difficult questions today. Has anyone else got these or is it just me being thick? 5th oh, of man. April, 1998. Les has to accept he has an estranged son. Yes. Who is <laughs> it's son. Greg Kelly. Hooray, a nice easy one. I know that one. Fantastic. Easy. All right, definitely. 6th of April, 1983. Emily is up in arms and starts a petition against what new development for the street? Nineteen eighty-three. I don't know. Literally, have no clue. Is it really? Thursday night. I'm obviously not on fire on quizzes. Um, The graffiti club. What is it? The what? Dream? What is it? The nightclub. Nightclub. Disco. Disco. Yeah. 7th of April 1993, which business is held up by a masked gunman? 1983. 1993. 1993. I'm going to say that was probably Freshco's or Better Buys or Furman's or whatever it was back then. Better Buys. Would you like? Better Buys. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm back, I'm back. Yeah. 4-3, okay. come on. Final question. <gasps> Multiple part question. Uh, 
Seventh of April. So is this multiple points? Yeah. That's very important. You can turn this around now. I know. I've already turned it around, thank you. Be quiet and listen. (laughs) Seventh of April, 2008. David's on a rampage. Yes. Name three people or things (laughs) that he hits. Oh, no. Or smashes. Or violence. Oh, gosh. Just violence. I can literally see him tramping down the street, but I can't think what he actually smashed up. Well, look. I'm gonna flash. That's how many things there there are. So I, I I was like that was a long list of things. Exactly. So I was like he's got to be able to get some of these because there's there's I'm only asking you for three and I've got a list of like one two three four five six seven eight nine <laughs> ten eleven twelve thirteen oh, things I've he does. I've not watched this for a few years. Can't you just guess? For okay. Sake. I think that he pushes Ken. Yeah, he pushes Ken. Yes. I think that he smashes. The window of... Don't tell me a number. A house. Which house? Um, Who lives there? Um, when was this? 2008. An eight. Oh, Jack and Vera's house. Yeah. Yes! Number nine. Oh, and finally, I'm going to say... The phone box at the end of the street. Yeah, it does. Yes! Get in. Right, and what do they call the storyline to promote this? That's not. Is there, is there a point? That's there? a point. What was it? Was it who call it? The show. David's rampage. David. Do you think the they room. were like, come and watch David's rampage? I don't know. This week on David smashes. What's wrong with that? What is it then? You're not very good at marketing. David's. It it rhymes with. Co- it's like it's like what we do sometimes, where it's like something um, what, street, like confrontation street, or something. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. You're rubbish. <laughs> what You're is really it rubbish. Then? Okay, right. I'm going to tell you some of the. I'm going to let you think a bit more because I'm disappointed, didn't you? But I'm going to tell you some of the other things that he did. <laughs> really bad. This is what he did. He pushes Gal on the floor. He steals a pole from Kevin's garage. Then he smashes up Roger's van. Then he smashes up the other two cars that are at the garage. Then he shoves Ken. Then he smashes Tyrone's window. Then he smashes Ken's window. Then he smashes the salon window. Then he smashes the telephone box. Then he smashes up a bicycle. Then he threatens Jason. And then he launches a pole through the window of the kebab shop. I was going to say kebab shop was my last one. Then he shoves over a policeman. And then he gets arrested. And apparently the pole... The, throwing the pole through the window was improvised and he nearly hit a cameraman. Really? <laughs> um, I'm going to say Devastation Street. Correct. Yeah. See, I told you Can I have a point it. for that? I told you you get it if you thought about it. <gasps> yes. Oh, there we go. There's some hard ones at the beginning, but I've managed to get back in there. That's good. Good quiz. Good quiz. Congratulations. Birthdays. 10th of April, Doreen Keogh played Conceptor Reagan. Or... Conceptor Riley. Riley. Jonathan really? Dixon, who played Daryl Morton. 11th of April, director Barry Davis and Kate Anthony played Auntie Pam. Auntie Pam, oh Auntie Pam, R.I.P. Bill. I think Auntie Pam is a is a tongue twister for me with my southern accent. Auntie Pam. Because I want to be like Auntie Pam. <laughs> it's Auntie Pam. No, I, I, Auntie we better Pam. be seeing her at Bill's funeral. We better be seeing Bill's funeral. I think it's happening in Germany. <laughs> so how do they do funerals over there? I'll feed it soon, pet. They do. 12th of April, Andrew Dunn, he played Roger Stars and Dolly Rose Campbell, plays Gemma Winter. Oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday, everybody. That's it, that's it. Right. 
we're done with our intro, and, and now we're gonna we're gonna do street talk, but we're gonna do it tomorrow. So we're just gonna cut to ourselves. Hopefully in the hotel. <laughs> Hopefully this all works. But um, we'll see you again in in after street talk. We're gonna come back for the news. Some delicious rotisserie chicken, and it's all gone completely. <laughs> st- yeah, stay tuned for the review of r- rotisserie chicken. That doesn't keep you <laughs> on your edge of your seats. I don't, I don't know, know, what, know what, it what it was. Street talk. Street talk time. It is. We're here. We're actually in Manchester. We're in our hotel now, aren't we? We've got a bit... I don't know how quiet we need. I don't know whether people can hear us or anything. What do you think? Well, they, they can't get a free show. Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, we, this, this is like the closest we've got to having a live audience for our podcast. What, annoying people in a hotel? <laughs> we made it. We Sounds made it up. Right. We are going to be going to see Coronation Street tomorrow. The sun is... Well, the sun was shining, but it's lovely. Um, but Gemma, the most... I got. Some it does tra- sound really loud, doesn't it's, it? It sounds a bit echoey in probably here. probably talk a bit quiet. No, I can't quietly. do it. I can't do it. Um, I've got tragic news to deliver to our listeners. Mm. Ain't got no chicken. No. <laughs> that the interruption yesterday was for nothing because well, who were they contacted you to say they run they out like, of chicken? Oh, we run out of chicken. How well, do you run out of chicken? <sighs> we had it's all right. We had room service instead. It was lovely. I had a pizza and you. you what did you have? I had a, I had a what they call up here a fish finger butty. Oh yeah, you did, didn't you? Lovely. I was talking. I was trying to order it on the phone and she was going, "Oh, what do you want?" And I was like, um, "Blah blah blah, fish finger butty." And she was like, a what? I was like, fish finger butty? And she's like, I can't see that. Oh, fish finger butty. Yeah, I can but, see but it now. I was like, I'm so dreadfully sorry. I, you should have said a I fish finger bomb. I don't speak the cake. language. <laughs> well, I'm sure it was delicious. I should have said, please, could you get me some cod goujons? <laughs> Tell you what, we were, we were watching Coronation Street on a hotel room TV earlier this evening. It's flipping difficult not being able to pause and rewind your telly, isn't it? We got yeah. a bit too used to it. Like Quite often when we're watching it back at home, it's like, what did, some, what did they say then? Don't know, rewind it better. But I mean, we had to... I don't know whether we got everything that happened today, but we'll do our best. I know, so. but what's our usual excuse? <laughs> I don't know, but at least we've got one we've got an alibi this time. <laughs> we were eating our room service and couldn't pause with the telly. It's like, could be, anything could have happened tonight, we could have missed it. It's way but, too expensive. This is the trouble. This is why I wanted to get the chicken, because it was supposed to be like know, eight quid. I know, I know. Right. We, just, we were... I just spent eight quid on fish fingers in some in some bread. <laughs> We might want to make this a relatively short one, but we'll see how we get on. We got we got eight stories to talk about today. There was an awful lot uh, that was packed in this week, starting with the explicit consent warning story, and then uh, Gemma has finally won and got me to change the um, original storyline for the Paul title. (laughs) I've just got it as poor Paulie Paul now because he's dead Paulie, isn't he? He's got poorly hand. Mm -hmm. He got his. Well, I mean, he hasn't got his diagnosis yet, has he? But. I think I think I think he's got it. I don't think they normally do. Do they normally do this? Like, I don't know what it, it might. I don't be want to worry you. Terrible. I don't want to worry you, but I do want to cause a bit of drama and a cliffhanger. So I'm going to tell you that you may well possibly have MND. Sorry, and then, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that in a bit because that was pretty tragic, wasn't it? Um, the storyline where um, Miley is getting all this time with Jackson and no, sorry, Faye is getting all the time with Jackson and Miley. I'm calling it the Hodgehog storyline. Because she's hogging the hogs. I mean, no, she's hogging the hodges, isn't she? So Hodgehog is next. Then we've got a bit more of the Lord of the Underworld. And he was certainly um, certainly um, making full use of his powers today, wasn't he, over Michael? He was um, he was lording it over him, for sure. Uh, we've got the Damon Drink story returned. There was no drinking involved in this. But I haven't got a new story title for that. We had a bit more of Dimbo Italiano. And then Glenda's pal, Estelle. 
It's the best storyline title I could come up with that in about the half an hour since the episode ended. And sad, the Kill Bill story returned for about two scenes on Monday. And I got I got thoughts about that, I tell you. So, Gemma, you want to talk about... I, I'm just trying to... I'm not even meaning to, but I'm just getting quieter and quieter. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. You want to talk about the explicit consent warning because you have thoughts about this, don't I you? I don't have any thoughts about anything You have many anymore. thoughts. Gemma is tired today. I am so tired. You've been sitting in the car all day. But I, I'm sure that you'll, I'm sure you'll get warmed up. So what's been going on with Amy this week? Because last week you we left it with Tracy doing her shady poster printing, didn't she, in the, in the <laughs> flower shop? Yeah, it was a secret for about five minutes. <laughs> so um, on Monday, when when everyone wakes up, it's like, it's like um, sexual assault Christmas. <laughs> because there are posters about rape all over the street and nobody saw them yeah. when they went to bed. No, they've just popped up overnight like magic. Tracy's put one... She's been hard at it, hasn't she, Tracy? Mm. <laughs> Is that the right okay. verb of phrase to Tracy's use Tracy's put story? one on number one because she wants to uh, put people off the scent. <laughs> Again, She's like, nobody would long. put this on their own house. Stephen Tyrone are talking about these posters at the bus stop and Tyrone's like, if someone's done that to my daughter, I'd kill him. Oh, she remind everyone what they say. It's like the posters are saying something about rapes are barely investigated and tell your MP, yeah. police don't care. Basically. Yeah, basically. Who's the MP? Don't tell Maria. She's the <laughs> councillor. She didn't care. She's too busy saving the planet. She's like, I don't, I don't know what that's got to do with recycling, Tracy. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so Tyrone's given Steve ideas about his duty well, as a Steve father. Wants, Steve wants to go and kill him. You're not allowed to. He wants to. to be the second Stephen murderer on the street this year. Yeah, well, they do have allowed. a bond, don't they? Yeah. The Steves. Aaron Aaron sees the posters and he rips them down angrily. And this all up was over the garage, aren't they? A as point well. of contention, apparently, because <laughs> other people. I didn't. I only ever watched. I didn't watch the scene again. But to me, he just did look anguished. No, no. When but he everybody was... else thinks he looked elated. Well, I said this to you when we were watching yeah, it. Yeah, There was a scene where he, he kind of takes the poster down dramatically and then just kind of looks out towards maybe number one, I guess. And he, he looked kind of happy about it. He didn't. It's just his face. <laughs> he's so handsome. He just looks... Um, he just, it just sparkles, no matter what like, expression oh. he's pulling. Yeah, in the he florist... He wasn't supposed to be looking happy, though. So. In the florist, Abby, Peter and I Mary... the forest. <laughs> they're talking about who put the posters up. And then the printer just starts printing another one out. <laughs> what a grass! Yeah, there are. I mean, there are ways to have characters find out about that. Things, was to me that is a way. I thought this was funny and great because this is what printers are like. They're so annoying. They just randomly they just, spew out. Extra have you not copies. ever done that where you turn a computer on and then it starts printing something out that you were in the middle of printing and it's claimed it couldn't do it last time it was awake and it <laughs> oh. wakes up and it's like, oh yeah, I know what I was doing. Mm. A few things in this story just moved a little bit too fast for me this week. Like, that, you know, finding right. out that it was Tracy, Abby, then Peter finding out Mary that it's about Amy being raped and stuff. Realised it must have been Tracy. So Abby then confronts Aaron and he, because she's realised that Tracy's, Tracy's printed this out, therefore the girl that Aaron said he raped was obviously Amy. Yeah. So she confronts Aaron and she says it wasn't just a random girl, it was Amy, wasn't it? And he admits yes. And then he says, oh, she's got something to write a state about it. Um, and Abby doesn't have time to ask him any more questions because t- Tyrone comes along because they need to go to a breakdown. It's not a mental one, it's a car. 
Peter goes around yeah, to... Maybe it is. Maybe it's Carla that just needs to come back from the hospital because she was she back by the end of the week. Her in the, va- in the big van. <laughs> She's had to break down. Just well, maybe, call maybe out it, Kevin. Maybe it's the printer and the florist. It's like it's broken down. It's printing things when it's not supposed to. Let's go and fix it, Aaron. This is a two-man job. <laughs> Oh, we're on a really wobbly desk and we're <laughs> yeah, keep in danger desk. of the... <laughs> it's, it's there's, we're at a real risk of tea going all we over are. the place if we laugh too hard. Okay, so uh, Peter Gray goes around to number one and asks Steve what's happened. So Steve and Tracy tell Peter everything and they don't know what to do. So obviously this is his niece, isn't it? Yeah. Amy Amy doesn't want them to do anything and she doesn't... She's not. She's like unhappy about anybody knowing and as as the day goes on everybody seems to start finding out abby and mary know and tracy heads out to sort everything out she says so amy and peter are alone and this was a really great scene between yeah i thought so they, those two don't often Gascoigne get much and... screen time together just no. as a, a pair of them I and mean, like you said they are family mm-hmm. so this is really lovely i thought so peter apologizes and says because he was getting going off on one as well mm. and um and she says that he know she knows that he knows a bit about this because Carla was raped by Frank, and then I don't know if this was the right thing to say, but Peter's like, yeah, she's never gotten over it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It haunts her every minute of every just, day. Just to warn you, Amy, this storyline happened, you know, pre-podcast. This was like this is like 2010, 2011. I'm it was a long say. time ago, <laughs> and Carla still still hung up about He's like, it. Sorry, y- y- your life is ruined now. It. Um, she, he says it still haunts her. She has to keep reminding us that was not her fault. Tell you what, I, that was I, that scene where Frank raped Carla. Though I still remember it. Do you remember he like he gets up afterwards and he he just says, "You made me do it" or something. Do you, and like it was in a really cold way. I was, mm. That was excellent scene. It was really kind of creepy. So thanks for the reminder of that. I I thought this was an interesting choice because. A few characters on the street have had sexual assaults. Um, and we were talking about the possibility of David. Yeah, we mentioned a few last week, and Anna, we said as well. Mm. But I, I wouldn't have ever really thought about Car, you know, and I also don't know necessarily that. I suppose Amy brought it up, but I wouldn't be comfortable um, if I was Carla to know that Peter's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, what the, what a palaver that was. I would, yeah, I wouldn't want Amy discussing it really. That's but... what I mean. Yeah. So, um, well, she, I mean, Amy, Amy's trying to get some comfort from her uncle, but you know, in the same way that she doesn't want everyone to talk about what happened to her, I don't imagine that Carl's particularly keen on. Yeah, but she's chill at the moment, isn't she? She's as fine. we find out on Friday. Um, so, so Amy's then saying, well, yeah, maybe it wasn't Carla's fault that Frank raped her, but I shouldn't have gotten so drunk. And then Peter says, no, Amy, he shouldn't have raped you. You've done nothing wrong. And Amy's like, no, how did this happen to me? <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, um, More like. Well, I like this scene. I'm just, yeah. Yeah, no, it was good. It was this kind of character dialogue sort of scene is what really, I think it's what we need, it, it's what we need. And, and I thought that this is more scenes like this is probably what this storyline could do with 
I thought there was a little bit too much of people getting in a flap and going out and do, doing silly things, particularly Tracy in this episode, like going out and putting posters all up over this other place. I thought that was silly. No, I know, I know uh, it was silly, but if she'd have put a few up, I'd have been like, yeah, okay, that's reasonable behaviour. But literally littering the street with them, it just makes you look like a crazy woman, as does what Tracy does later in the episode, gluing her hand to a desk. Don't spoil it. So actually just having characters sit down and have, you know, face-to-face talks, this is what I want to see more of. Anyway, I like Peter just pointing out to her, like, it wasn't... It wasn't your fault. Yeah. And you must never think it was your fault. Yeah. I was just thinking about um, some. We had I had some arguments with people on Twitter about about this, and uh, I posted the the link to the 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 clips that Coronation Street put onto YouTube to sort of demonstrate that Amy was unconscious when Aaron started doing this. Mm. So there's no excuse. It's not. It's not like oh, I'm not really sure. It's a bit of a grey area. You know, it's literally. It couldn't have been more clear. But the wording that they used on the clip was Amy is raped by Aaron rather than Aaron rapes Amy, which I thought was interesting. What, to take away agency slightly from him? It's interesting, isn't it? Because the focus then gets put on Aaron. If it's Aaron rapes Amy, then then the focus gets put onto him. Whereas they're trying to do a more victim-centred storyline. Mm. But it definitely is more of a powerful statement to say that Aaron raped Amy... Well, this is the thing with this, and I think this is what some people aren't getting, that rape isn't just, you know, when you think about rape, the first thing that springs to your head probably is a man, like, holding down a struggling woman. Or, like, jumping out of a bush and going, ah! And and, and literally forcing himself on Mm -hmm. her violently, but Mm -hmm. that's clearly not And someone you don't know. Maybe, maybe. I I don't necessarily think that, but definitely the, you know, the struggling violence and everything with it is what people think of. What, what, at the end of the day, clearly, it's, it's, it's just like so painfully obvious to me that it still counts as rape. If rape is having sex with somebody without their consent, this is what this was. Amy didn't give consent and she may have been kissing him and, and getting a mm-hmm. bit too feely, touchy-feely with him beforehand. But she was she was literally she was literally unconscious when it happened. Yep. And I mean obviously they didn't show what happened later in the scene on, on the rape scene, but just just picture what was happening there if you can. And Aaron doing this to this poor girl's unresponsive yeah, know, unconscious body yeah it just really makes you it makes gross. my skin crawl just mm. to think about it mm. and to think that there's i mean but people aren't necessarily saying there was nothing wrong with that but it is still clear it's <laughs> it just is people like, don't like the word i said this before people don't like the word because it's such a unpleasant violent kind of sounding word and and it conjures up images that are very Violent, and, and I think this is what Aaron doesn't like to think about as well because I don't know whether how much he's in denial about it or or what, but he's thinking, I didn't hold her down. She wasn't kicking. She wasn't screaming. She seemed into it before. I don't think he completely understands. I don't think he does what rape is either. No, I don't think he does. But it may, and and he doesn't want to know. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to you know, own up to the fact. So he's kind of happy with the idea that oh yeah well she was kind of up for it it's not rape yeah uh, he, mu- he he clearly knows 
she wasn't conscious. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. He was very, very drunk as well. Not that that gives him an excuse or anything. And this is where it's a really difficult area. Uh, to. But I, I don't know what he remembers. Tell you what, he needs to have a flashback dream sequence, he does, doesn't yeah. he? Because that worked that that work wonders work for Amy really on help, Wednesday's really episode. Um, yeah, he needs to like wake up in the middle of the night going, oh dear. bloody hell, I actually did, didn't I? Or, but even if he, yeah. Or, or just have a scene where he's there going, ooh, I don't know. Now, I know we talk a little bit this because we've already recorded the feedback section for this episode, haven't we? And we talk more about this. So sorry if we're repeating stuff that we've said earlier. I can't remember. But yeah, it's clearly, clearly rape. Um, we won't be repeating stuff we said earlier. We'll be saying stuff we've already said, but you haven't heard this it yet. This is the first time, unless you skipped This the is like, section. this episode is like one of those time travel movies where <laughs> you're not really sure whether it makes sense, but it, but it happens. So I'm you've just got to fingers deal with it. crossed that this is going to all make sense when I put it together in the morning. Because I'm not listening to the whole thing. I'm not it's listening like, to three hours of podcasts before I publish it. Glue it together, no. out you go onto the internet. <laughs> it's going to be like Inception. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so. You're just going to have to watch, you just have to listen, be impressed, and then not think about whether it makes sense. Yeah, as long as you're impressed, that's the main thing. And there is somebody who looks a bit like Robert Pattinson in it. So. <laughs> anyway, back to the show, back to the show. What happens next? Well, um, Amy's just explaining to Peter that she really doesn't know how she's got into this situation. Yes. Um, Tracy goes to Adam and asks him for advice, and he says, well, if the CPS is not going to do anything they're, they're not going to do anything they haven't got any evidence adam, adam is like the the um the spoil sport of of things isn't he like oh sorry daisy well you know that justin's not actually done any crime so the police can't do anything about it oh know, sorry yeah, tracy well you know the police haven't got evidence that you raped us all you'll just have to give up so he's not wrong adam, but he doesn't need on. to be so cavalier about he's just it so black and white about it isn't he well it's Which, true i mean it's it's i wish people would Listen to what he's saying because it's a fact. Unfortunately, instead of getting mad about sorry. about him saying it, it's like, well, sorry, that's just the that's the truth. Mm. But it is like I was saying about last week, just making the Weatherfield police or maybe the police it in isn't. general, I don't know, look like they're not not doing their jobs right. Or it doesn't to me seem like that. It something. just seems like, well, what's the what's the solution? Come mm. up with a solution then. Um, I'm gonna. I want to talk later because I saw a very good thread on Reddit about this. Okay. So anyway, um, yeah, Adam says tough luck. Um, Abby has finally got a word, a chance to talk to Aaron again, and he, and he's like, she's saying, I can't believe you lied to me, and he's like, no, I didn't, I didn't lie, I just didn't, you know, and I, I am, I'm not a rapist, I didn't do it. So, Tracy goes to the police station and she's talking to Swain and she's demanding answers and she super glues herself to the desk. I'm surprised she didn't throw tomato soup because it's just, one of the I'm two. I'm just shaking my head at this. It's it, This is exactly what I mean about characters doing silly things in a story that's supposed to be proper yeah, serious. She, and yeah. it mostly is. But who's who is this helping? I, I, she's not trying. She's out of control because she can't do anything. I get that, I get that, but I just don't think that any sane person thinks that this is going to help. Well, the thing about this is that it's Coronation Street showing through actions a character's emotional turmoil, which you don't really need to do. You've got really good writers, you've got really good actors, you've got an audience that is, um, what's the word, primed for these kind of things. This is the sort of stuff that Coronation Street viewers like watching really emotional 
heartfelt scenes from long-term characters about very emotional situations this would have been a great you know this didn't need to be a demonstrate a physical demonstration of tracy losing her mind over her inability to do anything it doesn't she she could but, have just got done and done a real you know proper emotional plea to swain in a room on her own but and it's that easier. would have done a lot better it's than... easier and it's a bit more exciting and visual well that's visually the thing exciting. isn't it it's like oh what can we make tracy do i know wouldn't it be funny if or wouldn't it be interesting and it, yeah I know yes what you mean. maybe but it anyway just, for me it didn't work swain's like yeah again i don't know if you saw the scene with adam in it but we don't have enough evidence for cps where's cps hey hmm? where are they they're too busy sorting out Justin. CPS is like the Ofsted of police. <laughs> like they're useless and they just ruin everything. Yeah. So, um, Tracy calls Daniel and asks for a favour. We do get to find out what that is later. <laughs> Me- meanwhile, Abby is chatting with Aaron around the back of 13 because he's, remember, he's staying with her while Kevin's in Germany. And she's feeling sorry for him. And then Tyrone pops around and he says, don't come into work because of all the rape. <laughs> well he's like look it's probably a good idea not to come in because I've known the McDonald's for ages and I, re- I really don't know we need to sort this out I, you know and Adam, Aaron's like oh, I didn't do it oh, this isn't right Abby believes me I didn't do it and Tyrone's like what would you do if you're him I'd, I'd probably be in just feeling just as awkward as him as well one thing that really frustrates me about some people on Twitter and, and social media is the way that they expect characters to react to things as though they know what we as viewers know. Tyrone doesn't know what happened. No. I would feel, I would be the same I'd as probably... him. I'd be like, I don't know what to do in this situation. Like, I would never think you would do this, Aaron, but I also would never think Amy would lie about it. No, I mean, and I, I don't know how well he does know Amy. Yeah, he's been friends with Steve for a long time, but has his past crossed with Amy much? Probably not. But he has been working very closely with Aaron for the past however long it's been, six months, let's say. And so you probably would be more likely to believe your colleague and mate. Well, people like to fantasise about the idea that women make up accusations of rape for fun and larks and it happens all the time but well, people also like to also like to say well obviously i know what i'd do i'd side with the, the side for right i know but i hate that as, as a, an no, you omniscient wouldn't. viewer you wouldn't know there is a bit of a benefit of, of a yeah of that isn't there and obviously false accusations are terrible and if you've listened to this this podcast for a long time you'll know my thoughts on this from personal experience so when i say things about this storyline it's coming from a place of that mm. I, I I understand that but I also I'm sick and tired of hearing and it's not just men it's women too going oh you know well these you know what these girls are like yeah. oh these women are like like it's not it's not fun and games and even if she I just don't understand why people think it's like a magical door that opens to a world of fun and happiness to accuse somebody of raping you no, when, when they didn't. I know. So anyway, Daniel calls Steve and tells him <laughs> Tracy's glued herself to the police station. I mean, for goodness sake, at one point she didn't want to go anywhere near it because they were having her for murder. <laughs> and now you can't get her out of the place. I'm surprised that they didn't like... The police didn't go, aren't you the one? Yeah. 
Because they know that she did it. Everyone knows she did it. She got kicked. She got let out because the evidence wasn't collect- yeah, collected. But literally, correctly. they all know she does it, and she's admitted so it. So when Swain's like, when Swain's like, oh, you CPS, uh, she should be like, yeah, you know, you know the system. <laughs> you know how to game the system. Why don't you try again this time? <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. Then where we, are find, we? Uh, we did. This is where we get to find out. What, oh, the station. What the, what the so, Daniel's real favour was. Amy and Steve turn up at the station, and they can't believe what she's done. And then a Gazette reporter turns up, and it's um, isn't it uh, the real life daughter of? I think it was. Dr. I can't remember what she looks like, but it's, yeah, she was making a few appearances last year or the year before. Wasn't well, she, she was. Been I'm going to say it week. was her. And uh, it looks like Daniels put her in touch with Tracy so that she can do an anonymous interview about this situation. Mm. Tyrone tries to get Peter to talk to him in the pub about what's going on, and. Peter says, I'm not, I've agreed to stay out of it, which is out of, what's the word? Sympathy for, for mm. Amy, but not necessarily, I don't know. It's difficult to know, isn't it? Because mm. he's doing what he's been asked to do. Tracy's not, like but Pe- maybe if, if I was, you know, if Peter said something to Tyrone, like, I don't think she's, I think she's telling the truth. Yeah. She's devastated. Peter and Steve and Tyrone, I suppose, maybe actually all men on the street have thrown the odd punch when they've got riled up about something. So Peter is probably there just like desperate to go and give it Aaron a good leather in. So um, <laughs> I think, yeah, he's... I, uh, it's good for him that he's not doing that. But I do wonder whether, you know, he's going to be be able to restrain himself for long. Someone's got to punch Aaron in the face. They can't... They, that's the thing. They can't reach... <laughs> punch him in the stomach <laughs> or between the, between the legs okay. that would do it back at number one Amy overhears Tracy and Steve talking about the fact that she, she they don't like seeing her so upset um, she's sitting on the stairs isn't she yes and Tracy says I just wanted to do something to, to sort of help her then a car comes through the letterbox and it's a note that says hi Amy feel free to call me anytime um Tracy rushes outside to see, see it's the journalist and they say, don't ever talk to, to us again. We don't want to talk about it. Amy comes downstairs and tells Steve and Tracy that she, this is this was interesting. She says, I actually think I've, I've got it wrong. Yes. I, I overreacted. I don't think it was as bad as I said. It was just a mistake. I don't, I don't, I, it's just something I regret. I, it wasn't rape. I've realised I feel really bad. I can cope with this. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah, so this is just her way of trying to make it all stop, isn't it? By, you know, lying about what happened, making it herself look bad. Yeah, she doesn't believe what she's saying here, just to be clear. I think think it's obvious, but I also think a lot of things are obvious. She'd like it to be true what she's saying, and almost she's she's trying trying to to convince herself. She's trying to convince herself, you know. I mean, and that's another thing I've seen on on Twitter like you know a lot of women like oh who hasn't who hasn't had a, a night they regret with a bloke or they can't really remember or you know whatever and you th- I'm thinking you're just in denial about what's happened to you that's fine for you and I just want to point out there's loads of women going oh you know she shouldn't have got drunk or I wouldn't have minded myself I don't see why she's making a big deal she wanted to sleep with him anyway does it matter if she's awake or not I don't I wouldn't mind I, I just, wouldn't have minded you the, can't the consent for other people you, as a woman, do not give consent for other women. Only the person in the bed can give consent. Stop trying to tell other women 
how to feel about things. Mm. It just it just really boggles my mind. Uh, it doesn't boggle it's my so mind. Clearly, a rape story. It doesn't boggle my mind. I, people... Misogyny from women is just as bad, if not worse, as it is from men at times. <sighs> anyway, on Wednesday, Amy's Amy's skipping breakfast. She yeah, wants she... to go out. She she gets panicky and she goes outside and she comes back in again. Ardy. I don't know where this is, but she he asks maybe she's yeah, in the shop. outside the shop. Yeah, Ardy asks Tracy how Amy's doing, and Tracy says, "Well, go around and ask her." And then he goes, and Abby overhears. Oh no! This is in this the cafe. Is in the cafe. Wasn't it? Yes. So you guys don't remember how the cafe has got that little barrier in, in the front of the door? So very um, good for overhearing parts of conversations. Abby and Tracy. No, listen, Tracy and Adam are talking. Yeah. Abby comes in, but she doesn't come all the way in. She hears what they're saying. Yeah. And Tracy says, Amy's saying something different about what happened last night. She's saying that it was all just a big misunderstanding and a mistake. And then Abby's like, aha. That's all I need to hear. And then Tracy says, but I think she's lying. And that's the bit that she doesn't hear. Abby goes and tells Aaron that Amy's saying that it didn't happen anymore. And they're like, brilliant, this is great. And they're both really elated. Like, thank goodness. Yeah, this... not in a ha-ha-ha. I mean, Aaron may well be doing it in a ha-ha-ha. I don't think, he, I don't think he gets what's happened. Mm. It doesn't mean... And that doesn't mean that I think he didn't do it or that it's any less of a, of a bad situation. Or that I, the crime is any different. But I'm going to point out, it's perfectly possible that he just doesn't understand. Just like many people on Twitter don't seem to understand. He, he doesn't understand, but I think he's conflicted. And I think he kind of, maybe a little bit of him inside thinks he did it. I mean, the fact that he was blatantly lying to, was it Summer last week, about just how up for it Amy was, shows yeah. that he's trying to manipulate the situation a little bit. But also part of him thinks that I, 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 I'm not sure whether I did do it. And just hearing this from Abby is now giving him permission to go, phew, thank goodness, I, I don't have right. to worry about this yeah. anymore. So they have a hug. It's been made, the decision has been made for me. I didn't rape her. So Ardy then sees Aaron in the street and, he's, and he says, oh, you've, um, you're saying Amy was lying, etc. Well, I'm not your friend anymore. And Aaron says, well, go talk to Amy about it because she's saying something completely different and then you're going to have to apologise to me. So Summer goes round to number one to see Amy and Amy's, <laughs> this is really funny, Summer comes in and, and she's like, what are you doing? She's like, well, I was just going to relax. And someone's like, oh, great, I'll come and relax. It's like, no, go away. <laughs> so um, Amy's about to tell her about, about what, what she's say, saying now when Ardy comes in. And he says, Aaron's just told me that you said it was just a mistake. Why is he saying that? And Amy says, yeah, I, I'm not sure anymore. I was drunk. I just want to forget about it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I want things to go back to the way that they were. Um, and this is when Aaron's like, oh, that's handy, because I wanted to go out with to a gig with Aaron. Yeah, that's when Ardy, Ardy says what that. What did I say? He says Aaron thinks that, yeah. Aaron and Ardy, the, the it's, double it's the, the, double a, well, the whole thing is the A team, isn't it? It's the Abby, Ardy and Aaron <laughs> yeah. against the B team, which is the Barlows. <laughs> yeah. So they, he's like, great, I'm going to go to a gig with Aaron. Um How convenient for Ardy that he's managed to... Well, I know. He was like... Very, you know, yeah, but easily be, swayed. Yeah, but, yes, but again, okay, what is he, he supposed know. to do? 
he's like he literally went and checked with amy and said is this true amy and she's like yeah and he's like great i'm going to go see i don't know what's he gonna see (laughs) um i'm gonna go see smash mouth um, what do kids like (laughs) Chaz and dave (laughs) (laughs) go go see one of the chuckle brothers (laughs) so um they watch telly summer and amy watch telly and you know she's an eight on the a team as well technically who is amy oh yeah so, Amy's like, I just want to forget. And um, so, what's this? They're watching the soap opera, aren't they? And oh, she's Or going, something like that. It's very some meta. kind of soap opera and uh, whatever. Summer's like, oh, Franklin's definitely lying. And that was, I, I think that was supposed to make, be making us think that she's also saying Aaron's lying as I well. I don't know. Or maybe it was like really, really kind of secret, secret message. And when she was saying that Franklin's lying, she's talking about thinking. Abby Franklin. That's what I got confused about. <laughs> exactly, Abby Webbs. I don't Listen. know. Listen. What? I'll tell you what happened next. Oh, thanks. Amy's remember. looking at her phone and she's getting all these pictures of Ardy at the gig with Aaron. Hashtag A team. <laughs> and someone's like, well, why isn't he being more considerate? Do you, do you want to talk about this? And Amy says, no, I'm fine. And then someone's like, I know we're in the middle of watching this, but I've got to leave suddenly. And goes, Abby, Aaron and Ardy go to the Rovers later and... Craig and Faye, well, Faye tells him where to go, didn't she, Aaron? Yeah, so they've heard, I mean, yeah, so much for Amy wanting to keep this anonymous. It pretty much sounds like the whole street's heard about this to-do now. and but this not to-do? It is what, such a to-do. Mm. Um, but not everybody is, I mean, firstly, not everybody's heard the news that Amy's maybe changing her mind now. Mm-hmm. But also some people who may have heard that news are still very suspicious about and think that there's something dodgy about Aaron, which is clearly the camp that Faye and Craig are in. I mean, I suppose Craig possibly might know about it through the police. I don't know whether, you know, the policemen all get together in the canteen and gossip about which cases that they've been on, and Craig's like, Swain, Swain, you had some scenes, what's going on with my neighbours? Well, let me tell you, Did my neighbour glue herself to the death? (laughs) Craig was probably the one that had to to free her later. Probably, yeah. (laughs) Right, so if we so get on this one, Faye, as a tinker, <laughs> the best he can do. Faye tells her where to, where him where to go, which I thought was good. That's probably the the most the feistiest she's been for <laughs> ever. Aaron, what about that time that she whacked Adam on the head, that was pretty feisty. Some might say. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we see Aunt Amy, and she's she's having a dream, and we see some new angles. Of, like, Aaron looking sinister. Yeah, it's all the flashback yeah. to the night of the rape, wasn't it? And some and of it remembers. being from Amy's point of view and seeing Adam and going in for a kiss Aaron. with Adam. Aaron, so that would be a different story. Going in for a kiss, the, the, the bed. And the, the kind of it, it ends as she's on the bed, isn't it? And he's there just lifting up her skirt or something. Gross. And then she kind of wakes up and is like, oh, my gosh. She I mean, was I, asleep. I don't know, I don't know, you know, how much... Yes. You can trust a dream to tell you that this is exactly what happened. Because I don't know about you, but when I dream, I don't always dream about things that exactly happened. Do you ever dream about things that have happened? I don't think so. No, I don't think I do I never never remember my dreams. You're always telling me about weirdo (laughs) dreams that you have. Although I did dream that I was a Spice Girl last night. I remember Which that one. Were with. You? I told you I don't know. Were you I, an extra I like. One? I remember my dreams about five percent of the time, and this I remember a tiny snippet <laughs> that we were out. We, oh, were, yeah. we were performing in a stage <laughs> right. to one of these big open air shows, yeah. and there were like thousands of thousands of people on the grass, and I just kind of got 
quantum leaped into one of the Spice Girls bodies. And I was like, I'm going to dance along to a song and I didn't know the dance move. So what an embarrassment that was. But it, didn't ma- but it didn't make me think, oh yes, now I remember clearly, I was a Spice Girl once, that is what happens. So I don't know whether this is really It's not supposed be to be... To, to make it's, Amy... It's a narrative device, Michael. Unnecessary narrative it device. Isn't because just like Daisy's dream last week. It isn't, because a lot of people obviously didn't watch the clip properly. Can I just suck on an ice cube? Yeah, right you right Because I'm getting a bit warm in, in here. It's hot. We had to turn the fan off. There was a really loud fan. Right, go on. What next? Friday, Tracy's like, Amy, have a takeaway and a movie night with me. I'll, Amy says, I'll go get it. So she goes to Speed Dog to get the takeaway and she comes out of the loo and Aaron's there ordering his food. So she runs off and she's like, oh, um, in a tizzy. So she goes and gets fish and chips and and she gives this story about oh there's a massive queue so I didn't I went to the fish and chip shop instead and Tracy's putting the stuff out and then Alia comes to the door and says here's Amy's takeaway order she left it in the restaurant and so Amy says oh it was just a mistake and Tracy's like hmm not sure if that's true yes Yes. Sorry, I've just had to take the ice cube out of my mouth because I assume I'm going to need to talk now. So I've got a melting ice cube in my hand. Yeah. How much sympathy do you think that they're trying to get for Aaron at this point? Like, he, he clearly did something wrong and Coronation Street isn't trying to make out that he didn't. But do you think that the fact that um, they're showing him looking a bit sad and anguished and the fact that he has got people kind of rallying around him and the fact that Amy's changing a story, are we supposed to be at all thinking... Oh, God, poor Aaron, this is a bad situation he's got himself into. I hope not. I mean, I, I think... I do feel sorry for him. It doesn't mean I think he didn't do a bad thing or that he shouldn't be punished. Mm. I feel sorry for lots of people that have done horrible things. Yeah. Not um, Hitler, though. <laughs> not Hitler. But, um... <laughs> but... I'm really... Talk about people don't think bad. You always go to Hitler, don't you? I know, I always blame him for everything. (laughs) scapegoat. I know. Right, so um, I'm really realising how important this story is the more I see bad takes of how people are reacting to this. And especially the idea that, you know, because Aaron's really sad about it, he shouldn't be punished or he didn't mean it. Yeah, just because you're sad doesn't, doesn't mean, mean he didn't do it. And lots of people it. are sad about wrong things they've done. Yes. It's called having a bit of a conscience. It is. And Aaron isn't, you know, a moustache twirling supervillain saying, Waha, I raped you and I'd do it again. Exactly. He's like, yeah, he's, you know, probably disgusted with himself, the bit of him that thinks that he did it. Obviously, we said, I think there's bits of him that thinks he, he isn't as bad as he actually is. But yeah, so he's when, sad about when it, the but... story started, I was really confused about how they're going to end this, and I was thinking, oh, is he going to go to prison? Is he going to leave? Is what's going to happen? Um, and now I think the the ending has to be Aaron admitting he did it, and that's all we need. And I know I know he should really get punished in some way, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think what we what the what we need is for that is for Aaron to say I know what happened now and I understand that it was rape because a lot of people are not even going to believe it even if he does say it no I think so oh he's just saying that because this show's made him say it it wasn't really it wasn't really Mm. but um it's important for people to understand and that's the only way that a lot of people are going to get it I think that he may well um confess 
or admit or whatever the right word is that he did it and then possibly like go and try and turn himself in at the police station and maybe that's the last we'll see of him because I honestly don't see the character staying in the show after this is all over well and, I mean... and, you know his year-long contract is is coming up soon um so I, I think that yeah I, I reckon he might just turn himself in and, and that's the end of that and then what we will then see is the, the reactions to all the characters who had taken him his side. Like, really interesting that the two people that are siding with him at the moment, Abby and Adi, are both characters that are generally considered, you know, nice people, aren't they? They're the goodies. I yes. know, I know that I, I know that Abby's a bit of a junkie and everything. Whatever. But she's also a hero. Whatever. She, they're, they're both characters that generally the viewers enjoy and support and everything so it's it's muddied the worst well, in, in, in a, a quite really, nice way I think even the good guys can can be fooled i think it's interesting from a narrative perspective but i also think it's important because it doesn't demonize the opinion that they have yeah because i don't know what i don't i mean this story coronation street's raison d'etre is to entertain people don't tell me anything else that's the point of the show well, actually, the point of the show is to get advertising money. <laughs> but to do that, they have to entertain you. But as a side to that, they can also do some good, like educate people. So are they? is that what they're trying to do here? Because obviously it's needed far more than I ever thought it was. But if, you, if you're a viewer and you're watching this going, no, I don't buy it. It's not rape. It's just a stupid mistake. Um, I don't think anyone should be punished. I, think, think it's, I think it's mean. Poor Aaron. Anyone could have done that. And then you see Abby and... Um, who else? Ardy. Ardy, like, yeah, yeah, he didn't do it or whatever. You're like, yeah, that's right. But then eventually these characters are going to realise that he did do it. And then the viewer saves a bit of ego by going, oh, well, if Abby, Abby's a good person and so am I. Mm. If she can be fooled by it, then I guess it's okay that I was, you know? What I'm hoping for at the end of this as well is when when he does admit it, which I, I think he probably will at the end. I think he, I think I just want to say I think for this to work in the way they want it to, he has to. Yeah. What I'd like is for there to be a scene with Abby kind of realizing and then you know giving him a a right telling off or or just right, or just like a no. I mean she could because we know that Abby can sometimes act get violent. Get violent take drugs, do the thing that she shouldn't do mm-hmm. and be a bit irresponsible. But I'd quite like her to just with want her with to do it, but then just give him a great verbal takedown to make him feel utterly ashamed of himself. And Sally Carmen, one of the best actresses on the show, is the person that I think that can deliver that. Of mm, course, narratively, it'd make more sense for Amy to be the one that is, you know, proudly says, aha, I've, I've, you know, I've come through this and, and, and now I, not I'm victorious, what are you talking but about? no, just that at, at last, you know, vindication for what I've been saying, you know. I don't think she's going to get any victory out of this. I think. Anyway. The thought that people believe her and the, the fact that she's not going mad because probably part, part of her is probably thinking, Am I I'm wrong? I did get it wrong. Did, yeah, yeah, this is what she was saying on Monday's episode. And I think when she turned around and says, no, I did get it wrong, it was not rape at all. That There she is embellishing it a little bit much and she's just in denial. But I think in a, I think it's natural I think to, she's to thinking, think, you know, if you think to yourself, it could, it could have been rape or it could not have been rape. Yeah. And if it's one or the other and I can 
to convince myself it wasn't, life would be so much easier. So I'm going to go that way. Yeah, exactly. So I think that when it comes out, she'll be glad that what she initially thought has been confirmed. Mm. But I, I think that performance-wise, although I absolutely rate Al Mulvaney as well, I really like to see, because I love her even more, Abby being the one that that has that final you ask Aaron sort of sort of scene. I get because why I she's think the it would one be that's been as well. I think it'd be powerful and I think that like I said mm. and unfortunately unfortunately people aren't as sympathetic to victims as you would imagine they would be. So I actually think that it would people wouldn't wouldn't have their this is gonna sound awful but I truly believe this is right. People wouldn't have their backs up so much if it wasn't if it was if it wasn't Amy. Because I think a lot of people immediately take against you if you're a woman and you're saying something like this. They immediately want to judge you and oh what you know and ask all these questions. Whereas if it's Abby saying to Aaron, like everyone's like, well she's she's out of the situation, you know, she's she's objective. She knows the facts because she wasn't involved. So if she's saying it, it must definitely be true. Mm. So I, I can get behind her better. I wonder whether the fact that Amy is quite a Bolshy character in some ways is also maybe getting some people's backs up. And if it was a more, you know, a, you know somebody who was just kind of going, <laughs> well, again, whatever, again, it shouldn't matter, and it doesn't, it shouldn't matter. But to some people, it does. Yeah. And I and we can pretend all day long and not not bring up these uncomfortable facts and make everyone feel better about life. But sometimes on this podcast, I think say I say things that that are quite uncomfortable and mm. I think it's true people are not sympathetic to, to female victims how do you what do you think about Ardy being involved because at the moment it feels like you know as, as happy as I am for him to actually get anything to do the story doesn't you know hasn't been improved by his presence I think he feels incredibly superfluous to me at yeah this point. but I'm also thinking are they going to get Asha involved? Now, she's not, again, she's not been on screen for ages. She had a couple of scenes with um, with Nina a few weeks ago, but it would make sense for Asha to certainly take um, Amy's side, which could cause a bit of friction between between the twins, you know? Mm-hmm. That kind of makes sense to be Adi versus Asha on this one. Um, so maybe that's where that's going, I don't know. And obviously, um, Asha herself has been in a bit of an abusive relationship when she was going out with Corey. So there's, um, I guess, there are comparisons that could be drawn there. Mm-hmm. Um, what else with this one? Well, I can just say about the, the Reddit thing I was talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, um, I saw, I've seen a lot of people who are getting angry at Coronation Street for depicting the aftermath of what happened to Amy and saying, oh, it's going to put people off of reporting. This is really irresponsible. I can't believe Coronation Street is showing this because it's bad. It's, women aren't going to come forward anymore. And that frustrates me too because this is an, an unrealistic an unrealistic experience for women no. who report things like this. And um, I saw on the Coronation Street subreddit... Um, somebody posted about it and um it just kind of proves what i what i suspected in that this is sadly incredibly accurate mm. and 
if we want the system to change, we can't pretend it's something that it isn't. So Coronation Street, yes, it might not, it might put, put some people off of reporting a rape, but it also might lead to people understanding the system better and perhaps asking them to, it to change. Mm. Because if there's a problem and you don't know about it, you're not going to be able to sort it out. Anyway, this person is called Lolly Hole, and they're talking about they've had um they 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 said that they were a victim of domestic violence and rape. And they're talking about um, the activism that they've done to kind of try to improve the situation and say like about um, Amy's reporting and how it's it was very similar to things that happened to, to, to them. Mm. And um, I think it's really worth finding this um, this post because it's really eye opening. And there are lots of differences, obviously, in real life to what happened to a- to Amy. Like for example, apparently they take your phone off you for up to a year. A year, yeah, not just a few days like Amy had there. And they're going on your f- and she and this this post. I assume it's a woman. This post is basically saying, um, they the, the police when they do their investigation, they seem to spend all their time looking for evidence to prove that it didn't happen, rather oh. than the other way around. Yeah, um, and that's very frustrating. And so the CPS was. She said that the police and the CPS ask you for loads of stuff like. Every single address that I've ever lived at, she says, to see if social services were involved, all the way back to, like, being a baby. Every time I ever phoned the police for any reason, um, addressing contact information of every school and higher education facility to look at their Why personal records. Because they're looking for evidence that shows this person has a history of lying or making stuff up or being... Um, having mental health issues so they can say oh well it can't it must probably didn't happen then why aren't they looking into the person who did it and all of their background well they probably do that as well um they also i mean it's good that to know that if people get falsely accused of abusing somebody like this that they're not just automatically believed listen so this is what this is a quote um when I asked why they needed all this information, I was told it was so they can get a good judge of my character. The person you accuse of rape will not be asked to hand over this level of data because their character is not in question. Oh. Yeah, see? So this person is saying... What? Um, you're not allowed to talk to a therapist about the rape or the investigation process because your therapist is going to make notes and they could get used for the defence. So if you say, you know, oh, I'm confused about what happened to me... The, the therapist would then have to tell them this mm. and then the defence is going to say, well, she doesn't even know what happened, of course. The fact that Amy has told her parents that she doesn't think it's happened, if it ever went to court, that would be used yeah, by yeah, Aaron yeah. to say that, that she's, well, how can you believe her? Why believe her if she said she did it, that I did it? If she's also said I didn't. <laughs> that that does, to be honest, seem like that could be a scene in the future, couldn't it? If I can just imagine Amy there on the stand and then the it being asked, so Ms Barlow, is it true that you told your yeah, parents exactly. that you weren't actually raped? Well, listen, another thing itself. is, says, um, you're not like, don't message or write anything to your friends that, that could be construed as being petty or vengeful because it will be used against you mm. as proof of your bad intentions. That's nuts. So people are, I mean, Peter, I've been saying that this programme has been making the police to be completely uncaring and unsympathetic and a bit useless, but it seems like they didn't go as far as they could have done by... Exactly. And this, there's to another this one here. Experience. Uh, people, even if you have evidence, don't expect this to make your case any stronger. I had text messages from my rapist admitting what he did and saying sorry for it. 
people I know have had multiple witnesses in the room with them when they were raped and the CPS still said there was not enough evidence. And this is why, what is it, 5% of rape accusations get upheld? This is why it frustrates me when you hear people on the internet going, oh, well, you know, the the conviction for rape is so low, it's always false accusations, women are always saying it. It's not as much of, of a problem with rape as p- women like to say because the because the conviction rate is so low. The, the, this here, she's talking about the hoops that you have to jump through. She's talking about um, how long it takes and takes years sometimes. Wow. And uh, but one thing I want to say that was good about this post that I liked was this person said that you should get an independent sexual violence advisor, which is what the police are supposed to let you know that you're allowed to have, but they don't often tell you. So this is an ISVA, and this person will help you to support you and give you um and tell you what the police are doing and and give you advice about you know if you need yeah. housing services if you're a victim of domestic violence and you're I mean so the, the the point also to make is that yes in this situation. It was a friend of Amy's and she's going to have to see him every day. But some women are raped by people they live in a house with, mm. their husband or their partner. And then where are they going to go? Yeah, yeah. And their phone's been taken off of them for up to a year. There's something that doesn't sound right about that. I'd but, like to think that the current the Coronation Street story could shine a light on it and maybe cause change. But I, I don't think it has the power to do things like that, unfortunately. So... I would really, really urge everybody to go on to it's it's our coronation street on Reddit hmm. um, and read this this post because there's so much stuff in here um, and it's there's advice here to help you too because it's not a hopeless situation. Yes, it's really difficult and really hard and if you're not if you don't want to put yourself through it, I don't think you should feel bad. I know that we always say people always say, oh, you should go through it because then you're helping other women and if you don't report it then it's your fault if they do it to someone else because you could have stopped them. It's like, well, if it's three years, if it's years and years and your phone, you can't get therapy, you're having flashbacks, you've got PTSD, you can't talk to your friends about it because they're going to use it against you, who would want to go through that? Nobody. (laughs) But... Um, there, there's advice on there for for people if this is if this is a situation you find yourself in, there are things that you can do to help yourself. Mm. It's just a shame, and and like I said before, if you don't admit or know there's a problem, you can't solve it. So let's. This is step one. <laughs> this is step one. Getting everyone on board with the fact <laughs> there's a bloody problem. Yeah. No, I didn't realise just how much of a problem it was. I, on the whole, you, would you say you're enjoying this story yeah, as, as as bleak as it is? Although like there, I is, said, there is the moment of levity with um, Steve's boob apron. <laughs> I can't believe like... he's supporting his, his daughter who's been raped by wearing an outfit of a I sexy know. boob lady. I wonder if they're, they're, like, they decided to make him wear that on purpose just for the juxtaposition or whether they're just like, wow, what would Steve wear in the kitchen? Obviously this, and I don't know. I think but... it's been around for a while. <laughs> but like, listen... Well, at least they didn't have Deirdre's um, phallic jelly mould in the background on the wall anymore. Mm. <laughs> One thing I'm, I'm enjoying about the story is the thing I was moaning about before, about giving unpopular opinions to popular characters and that was weakness of the racism storyline because they had for the um what michael and james that one no 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 so yeah well that one too because that was just a random policeman that we'd never met before oh the, also the, the, Steve, the stephen one. lawrence no the stephen lawrence one, oh yeah, yeah, yeah where they had um you know the builders uh had been abused at the party yeah um, just a random man brought in because they dare not have anybody do anything 
unsavory but you just know you know i mean we've seen old episodes of cory where people are just casually racist out of yes. nowhere <laughs> but giving it makes it more interesting not everybody has to be an angel on the street yeah. I, i've got no doubt that abby and aaron are gonna you know be redeemed in the end by i don't know kicking aaron in the teeth or something but <laughs> for now this this idea that these this group of characters are on two different sides yeah. and there is you know, and it's not really a question of who's good and who's bad here because you know. Hmm. I think, I mean, lots of people, if they were in Abby's shoes, they would be acting the same way as she does. I'm not going to say I wouldn't, I would be completely on Aaron's side and I think I would probably be quite horrible to Amy. Yeah, yeah. But what are you supposed to do? Hmm. Shall we move on to um, another kind of sad, tragic story with, with bleakness and wibbly wobbly camera effects? The Paul story this week. So, um, Beginning of the week, he's telling Billy that he's going to ask Dee Dee for more days' work at the solicitor's office. He's still got these money issues. They're not going away. He's quite a lot in debt at this point. So he, he wants to do more days filing at the at the office. But, Isn't um, it ironic that on Monday he starts off doing legal work for for um, people who are involved in the justice system and by the end of the week... Yeah, <laughs> he's the one on the, on the other side of the law. Um, he, he's not happy when he finds out, though, when he goes to the office via Adam, that Dee Dee is the one who's bankrolling him working there. It's not even... Dee Dee's bu- loaded. I know. Why? Dee Dee's just, like, throwing money left, right and centre. Like, I'll pay for your rent. I'll pay... For, I'll employ you. Um, why she's why she's living in this dodgy tiny flat above a corner shop when she's clearly like, loaded because she this is why you look after the pennies and the pounds look after themselves. That's that's a very good point. Uh, anyway, so in the pub later, Paul says to Dee Dee, "Look, I know that you're paying for my job. I'm not going to take money off you anymore. Why? Like." He's said, don't look a gift horse in the mouth again, Paul. Uh, back at the flat, Dee Dee's trying to explain to him, look, you've been great to me since I've been back in the country, just trying to repay the favour. And he, he says, well, no, you know, me, I'm a martyr. I need to move out. And she's like, well, okay then, but at least we can still be friends. So um, this is all kind of contrived in a way so that he and Billy can now be moving together. And they're all very happy with this new living situation, and I'm sure Summit is too. So, Wednesday is when it all hits the fan for Paul because he's got this uh, he's got this box with all his worldly goods in <laughs> from the shop flat. He does the, the classic Coronation Street thing of like, oh, I'm moving, I'm going to carry all my things, here it is, in just the box. <laughs> yeah, and um, you can tell he's moving house and not getting been fired because there wasn't a plant Yeah, no plant there. in there, you're right, yeah. So um, anyway, the, the subject of his debts comes up yet again with Dee Dee. And he says, look, I can cope with an angry letter if it means that, oh, Gemma isn't freezing. And, and again, <laughs> I'm just like, bloody hell, Paul, do you halo there? You're such They're an just, ass. I know I am. And with what happens later on, I do feel sorry for him. Utterly, you know... Dreadful for what he, the, the, the diagnosis that he gets, or the prognosis, or whatever the word is, I don't remember the way. But I, they they really are making him into being a bit too martyrish about it, honestly. He's all kind of chirpy, and then when she leaves, he's like, oh my gosh, just totally taking it out of me, being such a do-gooder. Shut up! <laughs> it's because you can't conceive of doing anything nice for somebody who isn't you. you. I'm a lovely I person. I wouldn't give my sister any money. I just think that sometimes Coronation Street, like, you know, they want to make a viewer think, oh, isn't that a nice person? Oh, isn't it bad that something bad's happening, happening to them? So we're going to make them like really, really Unreasonably they didn't nice. do that to Evelyn. No, I so, like, know. look at this old, look I at this it's... old bag, and look, her dog's dead. 
How about I that? I think it's mostly Paul. And it's because when <laughs> he came in, like, I'm sure for the first week or so, he was a bit of a dodgy guy. Didn't he pick up five pounds off the floor or something? I know that his his open, his open entrance story was Gemma took against him, didn't she? She was like, do you remember? She was like saying, what are you doing around here? I don't, I, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. And I think that just planted something in my brain that he's a wrong one. And obviously the previous year he'd been in jail with, with David. And I even know it later came out that he, the reason that he was in jail was, was he covering for Gemma or something like this? I still can't get it into my head like, no, he's a wrong one, really. It's funny how he's some things just stick in your mind. It really with, does. With though. some characters, you're like, I had one thought and I will never change my mind. <laughs> and other know. characters, it's like, oh, do you remember when they were a murderous drug addict? Yeah, that was really funny. like them now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I just, there's, there's, All right, reasonably, we get it. We I get should. It really like Paul, but there's we just don't. something about him that hurts me. Well, I hope you're happy this week. <laughs> no, it's tragic. <laughs> anyway, um, Summer finds out, that, oh, this is when she finds out that Paul's back home, so she's thrilled with this, that although they're all back together again, and she's probably hearing wedding bells and all that. Um, but Billy's worried. Picking out some nice bridal dungaree. <laughs> Billy gets worried when she says that she saw Paul struggling with boxes for a little bit earlier, and obviously we know it's his dodgy hand but um billy thinks that um he's what does he think i've just eaten drunk? an ice cube. sorry i didn't know by the end of the week <laughs> we're just sucking on ice cubes he thinks here, he's so got what? a drinking problem which i don't know where this has come from because he didn't have one before um well you know he's an ex-con isn't he probably a, a massive alky as well i but think he... <laughs> billy's just um Projecting. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. We're all Is addicts around on, here. What, what was he on? Heroin? Yeah. Are you on heroin? Are you on heroin, Paul? No. Are you sure? Because it is nice. Well, you know, <laughs> Billy does do a lot of work with addicts and, you know, people who have fallen by the wayside and everything, doesn't he? And yeah. getting them to see the light and everything. So he recognises behaviours. With people who make jam and knit stuff. <laughs> That's true. Why doesn't he think Paul's one of them? <laughs> You've just been screwing on jam lids really tight and it's made your hand a little just, bit achy. He's just had a demon crochet session <laughs> with, the, with the girls. It's all right, we're getting all, getting all, the, all the laughs out of the way while we can before the, the doctor's scene hits. Mm. Um, anyway, Paul says, um, look, because Billy asked him about his debts again and Paul says, look, let me get this consultant's appointment out of the way first, then I'll worry about my money. So he goes to the bistro later to see whether he's got any jobs going there, whether Nick does. And he's like, anything will do. I'm, I'm really desperate. I'll, I'll do anything you want. And Nick's like, well, you can have a couple of hours as a kitchen porter, if you like. Excellent. Um, so I get, there, there was a scene in today's episode, wasn't there, where I, this, this was a problem of us not being able to watch it properly. I know he goes into Nick's office in today's episode and then he comes out later saying there was money on it. So... I think we were supposed to think that he was very valiant in not stealing the money, but I don't know whether there's going to be any more that comes out of him working at well, the Well, I don't bistro. understand why you would steal the money anyway. He needs the money. He's a dodgy guy. I know, but you can't just take it. <laughs> you just tell him that about cars as well. What? You can't just take cars that don't belong to you. I know, but he's like, oh, everyone look at me. I didn't, ta- I didn't steal £60. That was in a really obvious place. What do you want? Yeah. A round of applause? <laughs> um, anyway, um, well, he's also seen that Ryan stole the whole safe's worth of money and everybody thinks he's the bee's knees now. Everyone's forgotten about that, haven't they? Yeah, now they're all just saying sorry about your face. Mm. Not that anyone's mentioned Ryan at all this week on the mm. programme. It's like that didn't happen, didn't sorry, it? Sorry, which Ryan? 
<laughs> oh no, actually no. I sorry, I tell a lie. Carla did say that she's come out of Carla's hospital come to support back. Ryan. <laughs> she support Ryan. And you're like, Carla, where is Ryan? I don't know. <laughs> no Ryan, no Daisy. We haven't seen anything of bloody Jenny since the wedding, so I don't know what's going on. Jenny's with that. probably block storytelling. Eh? Deeply upset because her outfit, nobody cared for, for nothing. Yeah, <laughs> she was hoping to get some really nice photos of that hat. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, she said there'll be like, another chance. Well, is, sure. is it a faux pas to like wear the same outfit? You know, I don't, Can yeah. you imagine how much, all the effort you go to to get a really nice outfit for a wedding, and then somebody throws acid in someone else's face, and now you've got to buy another hat? <laughs> you weren't even there. Annie Walker wouldn't have done it, tell you that. So. What, bought another hat? No she, no, she wouldn't have worn the same outfit no, twice. No, she wouldn't have done, no. She's a classy bird. Yeah, if you want to follow in those <laughs> footsteps, Jenny. Of landlady's past. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure hat. that they would. She would have worn her hat a good hat over and over again. You reckon? Get some, get, well, she lived through the war, didn't she? Well, she could have didn't changed defeat, them and it'd look the same because it was in black and white. Didn't defeat Hitler know, by by getting new hats every time there was a wedding, <laughs> did we? Hmm? <laughs> anyway, um, Summer's really happy to hear about this job at the bistro that Paul's now got and said, "Oh, we should go out and celebrate." And he's like, "Ah." Uh, he obviously hasn't got the money for this, but of course, this is Paul. So by the end of the scene, he's offering to buy her like a three-course meal. He's such an idiot. Why doesn't he just say, I don't understand as well. Why don't you just just come around and we watch a film? I know. We'll have a cup of tea or something. Anyway, she kind of skips off and then he ends up going, oh, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, well. At least she thinks I'm nice. I should have stolen that money. So... Um, he, he goes he goes to the hospitals later and um, at, before he gets called in to see the consultant he's having this worried sounding phone call with the lone people just to remind us as if we need as if we needed to be told that he is in serious debt here um, and and then we get this consultant scene so she still can't say for sure what's wrong with him um, she needs to speak to an expert colleague but um, just to you know, get you worried a, a little bit. Yeah. Um, you might have limb onset motor neurone disease. Yeah. And she explains the symptoms and it all sounds pretty nasty. Um, so motor, th- this is, you know, the most famous motor neurone disease sufferer, I guess, was Stephen Hawking, wasn't it? Yeah. And he, he lived for... Is that what he had? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he had motor neurone disease, but was it... Oh, I don't know whether it was limb onset motor neurone disease but um so so this is a condition where you just gradually lose all you know loose of your limbs you 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 can't move basically by the end of you know your life which as the consultant here said three years if you're lucky you 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 can't do anything you you need to be fed you can't even breathe unsupported um Um, just it just just sounds awful just to say americans uh, or a broad people might know this better as ALS. Oh, okay. Because there was know. ALS challenge, remember? Was that the ice bucket challenge? I think so. Oh, okay. And it's also called Lou Gehrig's disease. Okay. So it, that's it all the like same just thing. Just the thought of this happening I know, to it's you. Terrible. It's terrifying. And knowing there's nothing that you can do about it. I mean, as I say, you know, I. It's horrible. It's horrible. I can't think of anything. I don't. I can't even imagine no and and you would never escape you would never sort of go oh hand hurts oh i hope i don't have Mm. no you wouldn't you you would never imagine this was and and he's told like there's nothing you can do to cure it if if this is what you've got and you know we are going on at the moment the way that corey are presenting this he's not been told that he's got it but you know 
Mm. It really, really sounds like he's got it. Oh, I gosh. can't. It's horrible. I can't even. No, I do. It's because I'm a massive hypochondriac about things anyway. Oh, yeah, but, right. And and I worry about things that even then I've got no, you know, no symptoms at all. But just what to know that to you were being. No, it's not. No, no, I'm just saying. I'm just trying to empathise, and I'm no, I'm not very good with and that. You're making it sound like if you're I like. I was in Paul's shoes. Here, I'm worried. I've got it. No, no, I'm not. Good. I'm just saying. If I was in, like. He's handling it remarkably well, to be honest. Um, so he says. I think I'd go mad. I I can't. Well, yeah. With it, he gets his he gets his um you know his his tragic soap can tragic soap character symptoms immediately of um echoey voices in the head and they they're kind of overusing this one a little bit. I mean, it just goes to show how often people in Coronation Street are told that they've got something horrible wrong with them, that you start to recognise the editing techniques, which is blurry person in the background talking, main person who's just been told the news in the foreground can't hear it mm-hmm. because it's because they're, they're they're just caught up with what they've just been told and then they that you can hear their heartbeat going and then i was literally before that before, as the advert break was happening i was saying bet this happens after the advert break and i bet it goes shoo paul paul <laughs> and it literally did so i don't think that was necessary just like i didn't think that the dream sequences were necessary but hey it works it, it worked best for sinead like I think the first time I remember this technique being used was when Sinead was being told about her cancer, and that was absolutely fantastic. That was one of my favourite scenes of the year. But if you're going to use the same technique again to be to be giving the news to someone else, I don't know. Uh, anyway, anyway, um, she's basically told you it's. I, I know, I know it's, it's going to be a really difficult wait for you. She's probably thinking, I probably shouldn't have told you this anyway. Um, but anyway, a specialist is going to be able to confirm the diagnosis. I just was looking quickly at the Wikipedia page about this and um, the risk factor um, section. And it says, some personality traits, such as agreeableness and conscientiousness, might underlie lifestyle choices that are currently thought to be risk factors for ALS. So, there you go. Paul is a nice guy and that's why he's got this. What does that mean? Say it again. Some personality traits, such as agreeableness and conscientiousness, might underlie lifestyle choices that are currently thought to be risk factors for ALS. Oh. So there you go, Michael. Don't blame me. He's Don't so be nice, nice then. Good guys never be, possible. Just be an, an arse to everybody. Um, anyway, so, I mean, he's... he's she probably said more than she should have done, but equally he was saying to her, look, I'm going to go back and Google it if you don't tell well, me. Well, he was, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, this is what you're, yeah, this when you're what... waiting for something and you're like, you know, you know, you know. Yeah. Tell, just tell me. Yeah. I can't stand waiting. I think I'd probably be this. I, I yeah, don't I know. would. No, I, I would. Know. No, I would. You I def- would. You would be. I don't I know can't, whether I'd want I can't to deal know. with it. Mm. Anyway, um, he, he leaves. He goes to have his first shift at the bistro, and obviously, massively distracted by this bombshell that's just been dropped on him. Well, he's he's googling up, the yeah. symptoms on his phone anyway. Um, 
And then Summer finds him later having a quiet moment on Max. Was it Maxine's bench? I think mm-hmm. it was. And um, she's blathering on about this dinner that he's agreed to take her to. And she d- she doesn't notice that he's completely distracted and out of it. She's just going, la, 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 let's go and have some curry. And then Bernie comes along and says, la, 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 let's go and have some curry too. Can I come along? Like she's completely blind to the fact that Paul's obviously going through some major trauma here. He's and got she's like, like 15 pounds in his pocket, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then he just takes a- it out and looks at it and then 10 pounds it blows away and it's like oh mate just to just to really underline how tragic this character is but luckily a little urchin boy on the street says here you go governor I just picked up your money for you. Please mister I think you dropped this picture of the queen. I'm surprised Paul didn't say no lad finders keepers you take it. Oh you're such a nice young boy tell you what that note looks lonely. Of this one too. <laughs> there you go. You've got a matching pair now. And then the boy and his family walk off and Paul goes, Oh, why did I do it's that? It's so hard being nice sometimes. I'm so agreeable and <laughs> It's me own fault, really. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, he he goes off to he goes off to speed dial and he's he's off his food unsurprisingly. Ugh, um, I'm off my food. Listening he, he to says, this story again. He says, "Look, I'm not so feeling great pepper. today." Summer says, "Well, it's probably because you've not had much to eat. You didn't have your breakfast or your lunch today. Eat up, Paul. Come on, come on." Bernie's wittering on about some Greek holiday that they went on as a family once and said, oh, we should arrange another family holiday there. And Paul's like forcing a grin on his face going, oh, yeah, you know, what? I'm up for that. And in a way, I guess, you know, he's thinking, I couldn't think of anything I'd less like to do at the moment than go on holiday. But on the other hand, maybe it'll be a chance for me to take he's my mind thinking, off it for a little bit. I don't and think this I'll could be, be my last. Well, he, yeah, he might be thinking this is my last chance to go on holiday or... I don't know how quickly these symptoms I don't develop. Like this story at all. How you know will I be able to? Will I be able to even go on this holiday? But anyway, he, he says, "Yeah, let's, that, that's fine. Let, let's let's go." Um, and Paul has to admit to Summer later that um, he can't afford to pay for this meal, and she's like, "Okay, I will. Everything else okay, Paul? Everything all right?" And he says, "Well, I have a hospital appointment today, but uh, he doesn't tell her what he's found out at this point. He's keeping it to himself." Um, and then we have a, a late at night scene. This is at the same time as Amy having a nightmare where Billy finds Paul up in the lounge and he can't sleep. And Billy's like, is it the debt, Paul? Is it your debt? It's the only thing that I know about you at the moment. You're in debt. And I just keep bringing it up. You're in debt, aren't you? Uh, and Paul says, no, it's just been a really stressful day. And uh, he sends Billy back to bed. Um, and then just to, you know, just to add to the tragedy at the end of the episode, he struggles to pick his glass up. I can't cope with this. So Friday, um, Billy's let Paul have a lie in. And he said... Um, look, maybe we need to tell Summer about this financial straits that you're in <laughs> right. so that we can both have a go at you about your money. Paul, Paul says, mm, maybe. Paul, Billy lets Paul sleep in and then when Paul wakes up, Billy's in the kitchen, he's like making a cup of tea going, I love bank holidays. I get the lagging feeling I'm supposed to be doing something and I don't know what it is. Oh, it's Good Friday. <laughs> maybe maybe I was, some chores, was I going to do some chores? <laughs> garden we don't have a garden it's not that because i don't live at the swanky vicarage that they said i could have for free because i like to struggle any soup i need to give out today no it's not soup on friday it's not soup friday yes that's what i was gonna do i was gonna buy some hot crust buns to celebrate (laughs) jesus anyway um paul sees carla in the cafe um, and they have a nice little scene of well, tragically not a bittersweet scene where he says oh sorry for making things bad for you about this compo claim and she's like 
It's honestly fine, Paul. I ran into you with my van. <laughs> Thank you for being so understanding. And he gives her a big hug. That was really sweet. Oh, and Carla, Carla's kind of taken a, taken aback by Sorry. this. Um, and it's just it's tragic, it really is. Um, and, and then, you know, tragedy leads to tragedy because later we find out that Gemma's wedding venue's gone I bust. I don't care. <laughs> and it doesn't sound like she's getting her money back either. They're going to have to cancel. And Paul's like, I'm a nice guy. I'm going to get you that money again. I'm going to pay for your wedding twice because why not? Uh, and she's like, I can't accept that. No, no, no. You don't pay for me. He's like, no, I'm definitely going to pay for your wedding. And then he's like, oh, how am I going to get that money? So today's episode was all about how he acquires this extra cash for Gemma's nuptials. And uh, first off, we have this scene where he doesn't steal the money from the bistro. Um, and then he gets himself paired up with Damon, who's um, back on the scene this week and an interesting um, crossover of storylines um, Rove Paul's like you're a dodgy guy aren't you your brother's in prison I will do whatever it takes to get some cash and Damon's like well hang on a minute he gives a he gives a fairly convincing speech about the fact that his life's over well he doesn't at this point oh okay he's in the Sorry. Rovers at this point and he's like saying give me some money and Harvey is like no, I'm not some petty villain. That's my brother. I, I don't get involved in that sort of stuff. Whatever. He storms off and that's when Paul chases him and tells him, yeah, sorry. cards on the table, I ain't got long left. I don't think I'm going to be able to make my 35th birthday. Um, as things stand, I'm going to be, you know, popping my clock soon sometime and my life is going to be meaningless. So well, my life, said, like my life is meaningless. I haven't done anything. I haven't had kids. Yeah, I've, done... I've got nothing. I've what have noticed. I done? Nothing. Yeah. Um. So I, the the least that I can do is give Gemma a banging wedding. The least I can do is ensure that two characters that nobody really likes as a couple have a really good wedding, um, and just hope that they don't get divorced in in about two years' time. <laughs> but I guess it's going to be inevitable because this is a soap. God, can you picture how tragic this wedding's going to be? You know, I hope they get married soon. Do you think before... they're going to know when they're getting married that, that this is? I don't do you know. Think he's I mean, going to let everybody have a nice party. I'm partly then... thinking that he's going to be there, just looking tragic Sad. at the at the at the top table, or maybe he'll be, you know, in a wheelchair or something at that point, and it'll just be a happy but tragic day maybe he'll just die on their wedding day yeah, why not? or he'll just take some massive downturn in his maybe. Uh, in his health i don't That'd know be but fun wouldn't it um it's or but what I, what I kind of like for it to be especially as it's Gemma's wedding right let's just have a really lovely party mm-hmm. let's have it be a nice joyous occasion and I Chesney let Chesney be the one to be the one that maybe brings it down but honestly I'd, I'd really like it to be just a lovely day and not have the the Paul's tragedy in the background but you know there's no helping this I just feel really sad and I I like for twin twins, when one of them dies, because they're on their birthday, they're always gonna be sad oh, because yeah. their other one's gone. Yeah, well, it's we'll horrible. have that to um, have that to look forward to in a in a year's time. When is their birthday? I can't remember. Um, oh, their birthday is in August. So, Ugh, God. yeah, maybe you just don't know how long it's gonna She's go, a, do the, you? Ugh, it's making me feel like I want to cry. Don't cry, don't cry. Um, so anyway. Damon, his his heartstrings are well and truly tugged He's by like, this revelation. <laughs> I'll help you through the power of crime. 
<laughs> the pyre of crime compels you. <laughs> so Damon says, look, I know that somebody's doing an insurance scam. You want in on that? And Paul wants From the details. What, for, I, did I fall asleep and miss a whole scene? Because the, this insurance scam seems to have just been tricking a policeman into changing your tyre. It was stealing a car. I know, but that's all we saw of it. I know. When he said there's this massive insurance scam going on, I was expecting, you know, crime of the century sort of Well, I of thought thing. it was going to be like... <laughs> I thought it was going to be some, some kind of major underground I thought it was going to be a bit mafia. more white collar than this. You know, like paperwork and 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 writing checks and bouncing checks and yeah, you know, and, it's actually and, very easy. And, buy, and buying a house and saying it's a mansion, and it's actually just a terrace and setting it on fire or no, you know, no, you just nick a car, nick a car from that spot that Seb was really murdered. It's not really an insurance scam, then, is it? It's just stealing a car. Just let's not be fancy about these things. Yeah, but he's kind of the guy whose car it is. He's claiming on the insurance, isn't he? Yeah, I don't I know. know where the car's got to now. Anyway, um, before he goes off to do that car, we have that scene with um, George in the Rovers okay, upsetting yeah. Paul by um, says, oh, how, how's your hand doing? I thought that I'd be seeing you in a professional capacity uh, so, or, or nearly after that accident. And uh, that's that's not the kind of um, funny joke. joke that Paul is interested in joining in at the moment. So he gets all annoyed and then he tries to pick up his beer and spills it all over the place because of his, his hand and George thinks he's drunk. So anyway, this is when Paul goes off to, to the wall, the place where Seb and, and Nina were beaten up and um, he steals a van from there. it's necessarily supposed to be there, but, but it was. it's the same place. Um, so and then, and then for dramatic purposes, he drives past the precinct, which is about 10 seconds down the road in set terms. Um, and, he, and he has a puncture and then a policeman's there and helps him change the tyre. The and I was like, oh, this... I thought, when it was happening, I thought, well, this isn't really necessary, but maybe there'll be some kind of massive consequence now he's been well, caught. Policeman... And there just there wasn't. He just literally helped him change the tyre and off he went. It was a it was a perfect... I don't get it. ...cliffhanger for the sake of being a break cliffhanger. But anyway... Um, maybe the policeman's going to remember him. Yeah, may, maybe. I don't know. Um, anyway, so um, he, he shows up at the Rovers, does Paul later, and gives Gemma 300 smackaroonies that he claims to have earned by flogging some stuff. Uh, and he wants to see her and Chaz get married this year. Obviously, he's it's in his best interests now that they do get married sooner rather than later. Um, so he goes home. Billy's acting... Oh, God, this bloody stupid scene, wasn't it? Billy going, I know what you've been doing this afternoon. What do you mean, Billy, says Paul, concerned that Billy's and been... And Billy's like, I'm very annoyed with I you that be- you've been doing this sort of thing. And, and for even- some reason, Paul's like, oh, no, he knows about me doing the insurance They scam. even dragged what? it out over two scenes. Usually when this kind of thing happens, it's like there's somebody... It's like over in about five, ten seconds, yeah. isn't it? But this one's like cliffhanger. Does Billy know? Of course he doesn't know. All Billy thinks is that Paul's got an alcohol problem because George had a word with him earlier. And Paul's well, like, no, what? I only had one, I'm fine. George is a dirty little gossip. I know, he is, isn't he? <laughs> He's like, Paul says, I was just in a mood because of, of Gemma's wedding being cancelled and that's why I spilt my beer. And Billy's, Billy's like, oh, thank goodness for that, let's have chips for tea. Um, and then at the end of the episode, when Billy's off at the chip shop, Paul phones up the guy who asked him to take the car earlier and says, if you get any other jobs like that, I'm well up for it. So it I turns know. out it's really easy. Yeah, we should have done this before. Mm. Paul, you silly man. This, this, what this tells me is, don't wait for a horrible diagnosis to live your life. 
Live it now while yeah. you can. Steal mm. that car. Do that scam. Yeah, what this tells me is crime does pay £300. <laughs> yeah. £300, so do lots of them. Yeah. Because £300, not really a lot, is it? No. I do lots of little scams. Do you think that this is the road that he's going to go down now? Is oh. he? I, I, it was, this is the I, thing I, about I, I didn't see, I didn't see this twist happening. They can't just do a story about... They can't just do a story about one thing anymore, can they? No. I, I mean, I've, I have made comparisons between <laughs> Paul and Robin Hood before with just how do-goodery he is, but now he's literally doing the doing the crimes like Robin Hood. He's literally going to be an outlaw. When What is he going to take for Gemma to realise that her wedding to Chesney is cursed and give up? It's going to happen. It's gonna, Don't I'm, marry him. He's, he's a miserable, joyless... Uh, stick. Be really nice about Ches. I mean, the the fact that Gemma, you know, an ex gangster's mole, her wedding is going to be funded from proceeds from Weatherfield's criminal underworld. It's quite apt in a way, yeah, I suppose. She's proud, isn't <laughs> I mean, do you, I I don't know whether he's going to get caught because that's probably a needless. Can he, if he does get caught. If he he's going to be, caught, he's going to be, be, he's going to turn into is it going to be a prison storyline or a trial, or, and, and and that's not what this story needs. Well, so I think maybe like Billy or somebody is going to catch him doing go, it. Stop doing crimes, or or DD or someone, somebody noble, somebody, and somebody's going to steer him away from that particular direction. Well, listen, I mean, Gemma's still going to need this wedding money, but if he does a crime for the greater good, just like it's going to be, just like Laura, Laura. Laura who? Laura Nealon. Where she uh, died of cancer and she says, i done the murders. Oh yeah, that was about a year ago, wasn't it? That old Laura was being tragic. Who's going to crawl all over Paul's body? Gemma. Gemma, probably. Oh, my twin How brother. about the quads? Oh yeah, that'd be tragic, wouldn't Which it? sad children. Yeah, going, Uncle Paul. Oh, oh my gosh. So, we don't like this sort of story, like do story. we? Very, it's very, oh, you know... I, oh. I, will, I just find this relentlessly depressing. It is. It just, it feels too soon since, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, I, I went on the Street Talk Shorts this week, I said it barely seems five minutes since Ollie died and since um, Sinead died as well. But, you know, Laura, I'd completely forgotten about, was just a year ago. I don't think her storyline was, was the that, same yeah. sort of not, thing. Not like we did get to see her deteriorate a bit, but it was more about Kelly than being about Laura. Um, I just it 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 doesn't feel five minutes. Haley was I mean that was what eight nine years ago maybe, but it's always someone dying of something. Do people like this sort of story? I don't know. I mean, is this entertaining? I for know, people? but I can't. We can't be like that about it because there are loads of people that hate the Stephen storyline, and there no, are loads no, of no. people that don't like. I mean, there are people, a lot of people. Uh, listening to this or have what watching the show who have been through what amy's been through and they probably you know a percentage of them are going to not want to watch that either mm. i mean thank goodness we don't know anybody who's you know touched by this story in real life but but do people who have are they well, are they glad that know, it's having awareness raised was... a bit or because it's a, it is you know Some... yet again what a condition that i didn't really know anything about obviously i know who Stephen Hawking was, but I, it's yes. Now my awareness has been erased by it. No, has been raised, has been, not sorry. erased. <laughs> it's not erased. My awareness has been raised. Thank you very much, Coronation Street. I don't need to see it. 
how long is this going to last? The doctor's saying 50% of people don't make three years. Is this really going to go on for three years? I can't cope with that. Well, I know, but we're... I, I, I am aware of how... What's the word? Indulgent and privileged it sounds to complain about having to watch it when people are going through it in real life. Yeah. And I don't want... You know, I... I I understand that you can't turn that off. Mm. They can't make it happen too fast because, I mean, they did with Alma's story. They probably will. And they got a lot of criticism when Alma's cervical cancer was very, very quick. Yeah, but that was a different situation. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. That was all about her missed screening and everything, but... And also, um, you know, I mean, think about poor Jay Goody. That was fast. Yeah, no, I I guess it was. But... Right, 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 right. We don't I'm need to dwell kinda, about how sad we are. Uh, no, are, are they going to go, you know, whole hog with this? And will I they show do, him oh not being able to move? I don't I mean, know. One of the other things is like, it, it you, you kind of waste away a little bit. Yes, and I, I don't know horrible. whether they're going to go down that route with it. It's truly one of the most horrific things I've heard. I can't imagine, like, you, like you're, you're locked in to yeah, your I own know, body. No, it's horrible. It, uh, and, and this, you know, Coronation Street is saying, oh, it's a soap first and we're working with this and that organisation, which is which is great, but... Oh, it's but just it, awful. Yeah, I, I just don't know whether... The thing that gets me about this, you know, soap, soaps cover so many different things, right? But in my general day-to-day life, I deliberately, purposefully avoid things like this. And I certainly never watch things... If somebody goes to me, oh... Oh, it's just a really good film. It was so sad. I cried all the way through. I'd say, "What? Are you mad? Are you are you soft in the head? Why would you watch something that makes you cry?" Oh yeah, you hate that sort of thing. You hate what, a weepy, don't you? What is the point of life? Why are you? What is? Are you so free of pain and agony in your everyday life that you seek it out as entertainment? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just what I mean? for life change. Isn't life hard enough without watching people? crying and crying yourself on telly mm. so so this is that's my argument I, I i don't ever seek this out and coronation street and soaps in general will throw, will throw it in and i have to just deal with it don't i i think but i, I think as much as i probably rather they didn't go down this route um and, and, I, and I read about this oh, we've known about this for about a month or so haven't we, 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 we i don't feel like it enriches my life to know we, we saw an email to watch people struggle that's um, all i'm saying and, and my first reaction was like oh but actually it probably will be done very well i'm sure it Sinead's will. story was done very very oh, well didn't you didn't watch Sinead's story um but but they did a fantastic job with it and i actually think that they will probably do a very very good yeah, job with do. this they will. i mean if anything is this the story that gets me to really really sympathize and kind of like paul um, i know but like may- well, maybe listen. peter ash his performance this week was peter absolutely ash superb doing a really he was good brilliant job. and i think we've left it a bit too long to mention that fact but he was brilliant this week he's that, really like good. the scene at the end of wednesday's episode where he's crying on the sofa ev- everything he was so so good and i'm under no doubt that he's going to do a great job of this i think um that that dan brocklebank also a fine actor um i think it's i mean this is obviously giving P- billy more things to hand ring about <laughs> um it'd be interesting to know Will they kind of skip over the fact that he's a bit religious? <laughs> they they do he's tend a bit religious. To, Billy, they do tend to forget What's that. What's that got to do they? with this? Well, no, I'm just saying, you know, a real vicar 
yeah. might, you know, do, offer, do offer some words of prayer or turn to God or something. We might see that. And, and Billy is just like um, Archdeacon in job title only. I, I'm like, I, I don't really believe that he's that, that great a Christian, I think he's to been, be honest. I think he's one of these people that got fired and is pretending to have a job. <laughs> so I'd like to see... Billy really, really turned to his faith with this. I don't know whether he will. Summer. Mm. I'll tell you what I haven't seen. Is this going to be more more excuse for summer screen time? That I would like is Summer being sad. Yeah, Summer being sad. That's what Mm. I want out of this story. I I think we've seen a lot of Summer being sad. If we're lucky, she might be so overcome with emotion that she faints. Just imagine if when when she gets the news, she just swoons and falls over. Hooray! <laughs> Our floor Summer's there you back are to again. normal. <laughs> um, Hello, darkness, my old Yeah, friend. go on, Vernon. Um, so, um, I, do, I don't know how long this is going to last for, but I can't see it lasting for three years. I mean, they did do a long-term story with Yasmin and Jeff, but I, I really think and hope that it progresses quickly for him. Don't... If that is indeed what no, he has No, you got. can't even say that. Um, interesting. I thought I was very interested with the crossover with Damon, though, mm. um, when he went and sat next to him. And, and that's the kind of thing that Corrin used to do a little bit more of, getting people who aren't usually in their storylines well, into them. Um, and I don't know whether anything more will happen from it, because it seems like, you know, Paul's got his contact with, what was it, Niall? Dodgy Niall? Um, and Damon doesn't need to be involved again, but Damon is now the only other person who knows that um, that Paul is a wrongan. Not a wrongan. That's not what I was going to say at all. Damon, <laughs> just not even thinking. Damon's a wrongan. Damon's a wrong. Paul's the only one. Damon's the only one that knows that Paul has got this condition. Is he going to blab to anybody? <laughs> Is he, you know, is he going to use that against him? You being a doctor, Paul. I'm really sorry. You're, You're wrong. wrong. No, <laughs> oh, no, no, I didn't mean that. I mean, you sorry. Dying. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I mean something even worse, actually. I mean that Damon mm. and Dee Dee yes. are still a little bit, you know, getting close to each other. Dee Dee. I, I don't know. I don't know. But, right, um, that's that. Done that. <laughs> just, I'm sorry. Enough tragedy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really, uh, it's horrible stuff. I don't blame you. Let's get on to more joyous stories. Just think about Craig's jumper this week. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, right remember that jumper? <laughs> what was that? That was that was a fashion choice. That was even um, Colson Smith was fashion. on. Ooh, even Colson like Smith on Twitter tweeted out, "How you liking Craig's jumper today?" Where, did, where was it from? I, it's the sort the, of jumper. The nineties is where it was from. No, it's the sort of jumper that you're like, "Oh my god, where on earth did you get that from?" And they're like. Harrods, it was £499. I'm going to say that Craig's been down old um, Gregory Pope for his jumpers. <laughs> <laughs> that was, if you haven't seen the episode yet, just picture this. <laughs> just imagine them like, yeah, we've got a load of new stuff in from the blind man's house. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Picture this sky blue with some massive suns on, with kind yeah. of like, 
I don't know what the art style is, but you know... I know, yeah, like Picasso-y. Yeah, C- Curly used to have a, jo- a T-shirt in the late Did 90s he? that was like all one big sun with like a weird Picasso-y face on. I don't like it. So there's it. little, little Picasso-y suns <laughs> plastered not... all over it. Some of them the right way up, some of them upside I'm down. I'm not educated enough to also find Also some this. little crescent moons mm. and just some twinkly stars to finish it off. And, and this is what Craig was blue. wearing out. Proud as anything. Sky blue. On yeah. And yellow. That's what I said on on Wednesday. What are you saying? I mean, I'm not. I don't want like you know criticizing people on their on their appearance or you know people free to make whatever Listen, fashion choices they want. No, I'm going to say you can criticize people about what people wear if they chose to wear it. I don't criticise what people look like because you don't choose to look like you like I didn't pick this face. I just wish that. I wouldn't have selected this particular <laughs> arrangement of features if I'd had a choice. But I also did choose to wear this t shirt. Well, so if you want to take the mick out of my t shirt. Craig feel free. chose to wear that jumper, but I would like to have seen I've been or been a fly on the wall when Colson Smith was handed this by the wardrobe department. Oh, no, maybe this you is loved what it. Craig is Some wearing people today. really liked it. Some people were like, Where's it from? <laughs> that's true, that's true. Sorry. I, we're I mean, not avant garde enough i mean my fashion choices are questionable at, uh, at least so just think about this michael half of his wardrobe's out for you for like half of your wardrobe's out for him because he can't wear coronation street themed things that is very true yeah mm-hmm. also i mean he's probably got a limited selection because you know he's lost a lot of weight over the last few years so all his old clothes probably don't fit him anymore so he just has to get what he can No, take. that's the good thing about losing weight is that all your clothes suddenly fit you. <laughs> just not very well. <laughs> right, so the Hodge Hog story, Gemma. Tell us about this. On Monday, Faye invites Craig later to get to know Miley. So, and he just goes overboard with this and tells Beth as well. And then she invites Kirk and they all decide to go. And Faye's like, why are you... She then hears from Beth that she's expecting to go round. And she's like very surprised about this, but it's too late to do anything about it. And when Jackson brings Miley round, she's kind of overwhelmed because everyone's really excited and Beth's even bought a special camera that she's going to give a gift to Miley at the end of, of the day. Yeah, they, they really do kind of love bomb her, don't they? They treat her like she's a puppy. They, they, they do. And especially Craig, he is like massively babying her, yeah. wasn't he? He's like, hello, hello, Miley. Oh, let me take a picture of Your you. Your chair is squeaky. I'm oh, sorry, I do have a squeaky chair at the moment. Um, yeah, Craig was like really inappropriate. He doesn't Patronising. Know, yeah, mega patronising. And this but, is what I get like around kids. This is why I don't... Yeah, I mean, I don't know... I don't mean to do it, but I have no experience. What what experience does Craig have with kids? I don't know. I mean, he was one not many years ago. I think part of the thing Me is... Me too. Part of the thing <laughs> is Miley is supposed to only be eight, and although she looks like she's a lot older than that, maybe his behaviour towards her would be appropriate if she was eight. Maybe it's her accent. Everyone maybe. thinks that she's more mature than she actually is. <laughs> I don't know. she's like... But anyway, she's like... Sounds like a Yeah, uh, she was completely overwhelmed star. with all of this. She wasn't expecting this. Um, my, she gets overwhelmed. Jackson's like, this isn't good. Uh, she's very shy, actually. She's not enjoying this. And so they leave earlier than they thought they were going to. And uh, they get, get presented this camera and Faye's in a mood with everybody because they spoiled it. And Craig's trying to make things up with Faye in the pub. She's not having it and leaves him. And then he's trying to text her and he's not getting any any responses because she's in the precinct. She's gone off with Miley and Jackson to the precinct. And um, it turns out she actually does like this camera and they're all having a good time because it's just the three of them. Yeah, bonding. 
So over tea, Faye and Tim are talking and she says Jackson's okay. And he's like, oh, you seem to be getting on quite well with Jackson. Yeah, he's a bit jealous, isn't mm. he? Well, no, this is Tim. Oh, no, sorry. Yes, that was Craig Tim, comes right. to the door and Faye's like, uh, uh, they just apologise to each other and go back home. On Wednesday, Craig's like, I want to get Miley a present, but I don't know what it should be. What should it be? And Faye says, buy her a basketball. <laughs> well, so she just says he's in, she's into basketball. Well, she says, yeah, she likes sports like basketball. So he goes away and comes back with a mitt and a baseball. And I just want to point out that he takes her off to play with it. And then when she goes to leave, he says, I'll hold on to this for you. Yeah, and he doesn't like, even let her have that the for gift. himself, didn't he? <laughs> oh, no, he next just takes time, it off of her. Next time she comes around, she's going to be like, oh, you know that jumper that I was wearing the other day with the sun and the moon on it? I've bought you one in green but I'm going to keep it and wear it. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> when I was thinking as well, the fact that he got this sport wrong, is like, this is a guy who, for a job, has to take down, like, really important <laughs> details from victims, isn't it? <laughs> is he it because he didn't write it in like, his little notebook, he got it yeah. wrong? Well, then I go, right, uh, Tinker, what, what's the prime suspect in this crime? Definitely a woman. No, hang on. Could be a man. It could have been a man. <laughs> I, I didn't write it down, so I can't be certain. <laughs> what is the crime? Definitely a robbery. It was it some could kind have been of, a murder. <laughs> I mean, in general, it was illegal. It was a bad crime. It was, it was really one bad. of those really... You know, one of those victimless crimes? It wasn't one of those. <laughs> or was it? I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, we, we Was did. it credit card fraud? <laughs> Do you know? Can you tell me? All right, I'll guess. <laughs> We, we were just trying to work out what branch of the police Craig indeed works at this week and you made a point on Twitter what that wasn't the fashion police. It's not the fashion police. <laughs> okay. Right, so um, he, yeah, he brings this stupid myth. Maybe he's got the jumper. Maybe the fashion police are an actual thing and there's like a locker at Weatherfield Police yeah. Station where all the bad fashion <laughs> choices, right, all the, it's just full of, you know, shell suits and... 80 Plastic shirts with, trench coats. Yeah, exactly. And 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 they're just there as evidence. But every at the end of the month, the policemen are allowed to they're go in raffle. there and just take it. <laughs> so if you maybe, draw, if you you draw what, a short the straw. The worst policeman has to wear it as a, <laughs> as a forfeit. Yeah, where the field's worst cop has and to go in there, there and take one and the, item. And the boss is like, <laughs> well, to be frank, you could all... <laughs> could be anybody this month. <laughs> Cases solved. Zero. <laughs> Is it you, the one that helped the guy who was stealing a car to change his tyre? You, Your second. You, you did, you did you insurance a, fraud. A lucky, you had a lucky escape here, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, oh, gosh. Tell you what, Beckett, she knows what's what. She's, she, she's not, she's she not going to be wearing that jumper. She wouldn't no. be seen dead in it. And, yeah, Swain's not been too bad. All right. So. Anyway. Faux pas with the baseball. Maybe he just heard her accent and he was like, what do they like? What do they like playing in America? Baseball? <laughs> Here's a hot dog. I've got you a hot dog. Right, so they go to Victoria Gardens and Craig's like, come on, let's play a game. I swear to God that they really don't see this per- this is, this girl as a human. She's like a big puppy. Yeah. Let's play. Come on, I'll throw the ball. You've got to bring it back to me. So they do. They, he throws it like once or twice and then Jackson comes and goes, let's leave. And Craig's like, <laughs> not taking the mitt with you. <laughs> And then Craig gets really jealous because he finds out that that Miley and Jackson and Faye were all in the precinct without him and having a really good time. 
And then Faye gets frustrated and she's like, stop getting jealous. I'm co-parenting and I'm trying to trying to do my best and you're making it worse by being jealous. Stop stressing out about this and stop making me feel guilty. And she says, I love you. Oh. And it's the end of that. So um, I feel does... bad. I want to say, I just feel bad for, for Beth here because she dotes on Craig and she I can see her being a really nice nan to somebody. Yeah, me too. But this is not the moment. This isn't her moment. But there's nothing certainly there's nothing sinister or wrong about what about her wanting a relationship with her grandchild. No, no, it's perfectly natural and you're right. She she does love kids, doesn't she? I mean she's babied Craig up until oh however God. old he is is now. She she's needs, she that needs somebody else to, to baby. Um Well yeah, I mean Peanut is is a dog. Oh yeah, he's the surrogate child at the moment, yeah. isn't he? Well, he's um, got his own room, hasn't he? Yeah. Do, um, is, is Craig right to be worried about Faye and yes. Jackson, do you think? Yes. I think Even so. though, honestly, they look like they don't... <laughs> they could be father and daughter, couldn't they? It looks like, yeah, it looks like Jackson was taking his kids out yeah, to the precinct. And because... it's not, it's not, it's not a reflection, he doesn't look old, but she looks so young. I, I, I say he does look old. He doesn't look old. He, 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 looks, older he looks older than older. she does. Yes. But this is okay. the thing about, you know, people of that age, when you're like late you know when you come become a teenager into your like 20s there's always like groups of groups of people who just age out of nowhere and they look like they're 25 and Mm. they're you know doing their GCSEs and he strikes me as one of those people that just suddenly look like an adult Mm. when they're still a child like I look back at pictures of myself when I was a teenager and I did look like a little girl for a lot of the time I look like a geeky little girl whereas some people that I went to school with just look like you know they beautiful women <laughs> and it's just something about i don't know but he they yeah he got hit by puberty a lot quicker than she did yep um the problem with this all is of course who cares about Faye and craig coronation street have given not... no zero effort into developing them as a couple they actually had quite a sweet relationship you know eight years ago when then, then they when broke she... up and it went well, downhill that i think they were just kind of i can't remember were they just good friends I mean, when she when she was pregnant with Miley, he was just there supporting her as a as a chum, wasn't he? And it was like, oh, maybe one day something one will thing. happen there. But since they've been going out together the last couple of years, and then she went in prison for a bit, and there's just been zero um, built, uh, you know, development of this relationship. So somebody comes else else comes along that maybe she's going to go off with. Who cares? One thing that I think if I was Craig, you know, and he's desperate to to make a good impression on Miley. And he, you know, he wants to be part of her life because he wants, you know, he loves Faye. And it's important to him to build this relationship with Faye's daughter. But if I was Craig, I'd be like, damn it, Miley, play with me. I saw you get born. Yeah. (laughs) I was like the first person you saw in this world. And now you don't like me anymore. Fickle. You're fickle. Didn't, um, wasn't Anna there for the birth in the end? I thought that Anna was the... But it wasn't, she, he was there too though. Yeah, he was there as well, but I think Anna helped with the Well, Anna's not there. She is not. And anyway, I'm Craig and I've forgotten that. (laughs) See, Anna probably should be there. Because I think that she would also want to be a doting grandmother. But let's not dwell on that too let's long. Because we know that's it. not going to happen. So Stephen's story now, the lord of the underworld. And um, How can anybody hate this story? This story is the best story of the week. This is like the nice story. This story about this murderer is the most relaxing and gentle. <laughs> there was certainly, you know, nothing... Low stakes. I'm not worried. Nothing miserable and depressing about this. It's not depressing. He's killing all these people that are annoying. 
and he you know he's going to get caught out eventually and it's just a caper isn't it it's just a caper it's just murderous shenanigans <laughs> yeah exactly um <laughs> and elaine's back in it again wittering on about this um apartment and then oh let's pull funds so that we can get the red bank flat together and stephen's like clearly doesn't isn't interested in thinking about this whatsoever because he's got his business on his mind um, i'm a businessman elaine i can't be buying flats at the at the um the the factory later, Michael kind of accidentally reveals to Beth that um, well she she he says that you can go and buy a massive present for for Miley because there is a big bonus coming soon. I shouldn't really tell you this, so keep it under your hat. But yeah, and then she immediately tells everybody. So Beth asks Stephen about this later, and he is not happy with Michael that he's blabbed about this. Like Michael is really um, going down in Stephen's bad books this week, isn't he? Stephen's just collecting a list of future victims this I know. week. Yeah, um, he takes him into the office and has a very stern word with him, although not, not as stern as Friday. <laughs> and it turns out that he can't afford any bonus at all now because obviously Rufus is creaming off the you know the majority of the the money here. And um, well, he's what is he on twenty five percent, thirty percent? Rufus said he's fifty. The... Was he fifty? Was at some point he gets fifty. I didn't think it was that high. I don't remember. Maybe it was later. We'll find out, see if it happens. Anyway, Rufus, uh, Stephen's trying to get 15% off of Rufus at the moment, or to get Rufus to accept 15. This is the audacity of Stephen, that he's agreed on a deal with somebody, and then he phones him back up and he's like, look, I know you want loads of money, can you, can you, can the, I'm but I don't want to give it to you. the for you. How do you feel about that? <laughs> no. Mm. Um, so Rufus calls Stephen back later and is like, I wasn't really thinking about it. I just wanted to make you sweat. No way. <laughs> why would why would I do that? <laughs> and then Elaine comes in and they decide to go for a walk. So they stop at Victoria Gardens and Stephen's spinning more lies about, oh, Gabrielle, he, she, you know, is he saying that she played silly beggars with his accounts when she was coercively controlling him? Woe is me. And Elaine's like, oh, you poor man. Oh, I understand. You ain't got no money because of that horrible Gabrielle. And you'll you'll earn it back soon enough, though, won't you? There's the American contract. I'll tell you what I'll do, Stephen. They're saying about... There's, there's really generous women in the street. Dee Dee saying, I'll pay for your rent, I'll just Paul. pay for you. Gabrielle saying, I'll, I'll buy the flat at the moment. And then we can balance it out when we're all settled. People talk in this programme. People are talking about this American deal. Like, do you remember in the do you remember in the nineties, every single movie that had a business in it had to have like this gaggle of Japanese businessmen that would come in and like give them loads of <laughs> I money. I don't remember that, but I believe you. Yes, it was like a trope where these Japanese businessmen would come along. That's why, that's why in Die Hard they have Nakatomi Plaza and the, all the people that own it are just the Japanese business they work for. I don't understand. Because they had an Die economic Hard. boom in Japan and I they were know. they were like expanding and buying businesses and investing abroad but the way they're talking about the, oh the american contract the americans are coming the americans will save us Ooh, i do know a bit about it's really japanese businessmen because we watched the tetris movie at the weekend didn't we oh yeah on apple tv it was all right That's i my say review of that don't too businessy don't yeah it was like how can we make this movie about a fun computer game into something that is boring and dull. Well, no, they were trying to... The idea of the Tetris movie, sorry, we'll get back to Curry in a minute, was how can we get some a sort of a story about who gets rights to a game, which is, you know, fairly dull. How can we try and make it interesting? And the answer is... You can't. You can't, really. It but was, you can put some funny funny pixely graphics over some scenes to try and keep it interested. It was all right, but it was like, if you, lo- if you lose track of what they're talking about at any moment, forget it. Yeah. Yeah, so that was me completely out within the I'm first I'm sure it was, if, if, if I had paid more attention, I'm sure I'd have enjoyed it more. Anyway, but. anyway, 
So Elaine is now funding fine. this Red Bank flat. I say it was um, bog standard. And at the pub later, me too. Stephen apologises to Michael for being so harsh in him earlier. And then he says, Beth, yeah, we are going to have a bonus, but um, we'll speak about it at work because yeah, they're in the pub at this point. And he orders a couple of bottles of Carver, but also looks very worried about it. So much like the same other way to Paul throwing yeah. his money away and then going, ooh, pained. Steve oh, is doing the I'm same being thing. being bankrolled by a woman. I'm just going to throw my money at children and, <laughs> um, and workers. Get, get a bit of a break from this story on Wednesday, but it's back in full force on Friday um, when Elaine's talking about the flat and saying, oh, let's have secrets. I, was like, I don't know what she was saying. Uh, anyway, she says, we need to crack on with getting things ready for the move. Um, and then Ronnie comes in and handily overhears this. And make, I can't remember, but he just kind of sticks his neb in a little bit, doesn't he? And Stephen says, I wish people would keep their nose out of this. No, he. what happens is, he's asking what how much this flat costs. And and then Stephen's like, mind your bloody business. Yeah, because but later on, Ronnie, but then Ronnie, Ronnie talks why. to Michael and says, what a cut... What, so you're telling me that Stephen's buying a Red Bank flat with his pro- with his earnings from your nipper snapper line, and you're getting the same bonus as everybody else working there. That ain't right, son. Yeah, you so, mug. So Michael gets all fired up, and he's he's written out a speech and everything, and he he starts to ask for this bigger bonus. Well, he starts off by saying, as as the as know, the co as the creator, the creator of literally the, uh, nipper snapper brand. I mean, I know that he was he did it. In Carla's work time, and it's in the contract and stuff. Yes, yeah, okay. that was the thing. Legally wasn't it? speaking, but it's like his idea, his designs, his brand, everything was his, and they just took it off him, and now they're giving him crumbs. I think this is how biz- some businesses work. Though, of course, isn't this it? is how it's business like, works. It is property of the business. But you don't need to turn over and let him scratch you on the stomach. Yeah. yeah, but the thing is, though, he wasn't employed. I don't understand why his contract had anything about creativity in there because he wasn't employed as a designer. Or a, oh yeah, there was all that. He was there? he's employed as a salesman. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so Carla then Carla rocks up because she's back from back from the priory or wherever. No, that's the that's the same one, isn't it? Back from the no, you just back from where she was. The the the, the mental health health hospital clinic thing. All right, she's fine, but she doesn't want anything to do with the factory anymore. She's like, this is too stressful. Says Stephen. Um, she says, I'm just you know focusing on Ryan for the time being. Um, so anyway, don't she bogs off. Is, Michael continues his plea to Stephen, and Stephen's like. No, and then and then this he goes great. on this wild rant yeah. about you know what, Michael, life isn't fair. Sometimes it serves your lemons, and he says, "Well, you know, I'd like to be retired in the Riviera or wherever it was on a boat, but here I am, still working here and with you." Yeah, exactly. He, I, I, interesting performance there. I will say, I loved it, but I enjoyed watching it. So that's the most important. I thought thing. it was great <laughs> because he was. My impression of this was yeah, that... you interpreted it. Go on. You, you made out that he was... I didn't make out anything. Oh, no, go on, you, you say then. What did I... you think? No. I thought he was like, not really... He was kind of like, the performances I saw it was him. I'm not completely convinced in what I'm saying, but I am, I'm desperately trying to get you to back off. It, so he wasn't like throwing himself like he wasn't throwing himself into shouting at at Michael because it's 
not really his personality to treat people like this, but he's desperate to get Michael to leave him alone about this money because he just doesn't have it and he can't give Michael any more. And he's also at the end of his rope here because he, everyone's badgering him from all sides and Michael's the only one who he has any power over at all. He can't tell Rufus to bugger off. He can't tell Elaine to leave him the hell alone, but he can tell Michael. And so to me, the performance was a man who's been pushed to this like desperate like attack but he really doesn't want to do it and it's not he's that, not convinced himself I, I i was i would like to think i i, I like i that really was, really do like that interpretation well that's it. how i interpret Cause I, it. Cause it, it that that could absolutely be it that's what i thought mm. that's what anyway and it fits his personality and the storyline yeah it does it does totally does anyway that, that's I'm almost not, I'm it. Not there was, making it up that's the, what my i'm, I'm, I'm confused what other up, interpretation there is i think some people just that's said clearly, it wasn't a great performance that's clearly from what todd but yeah but that's I, clearly what he was going for was steven's not steven's never done anything like this before if he doesn't like you he just pushes you into a bin he doesn't <laughs> shout at you <laughs> Um, that that's pretty much it. There's another scene at the end with Michael and Ronnie um, telling him I'm going to make him see how valuable I am. We've seen Stephen get mad at people before. He yeah. can. Todd Boyce can do that. This scene wasn't supposed to be that. It was mm. supposed to be him having a series of different emotions while he's shouting at Michael. Some of them was probably also reluctance and not actually wanting to do this because yeah he he just has got himself into such a mess yeah. with rufus yeah and he's like the last thing i need now is, is somebody coming in trying to get more money out and it's of like me. also it's like i it's, have it's not got bloody, any money it's just bloody t-shirts leave me alone i've been worrying about my finances for the past eight months or so just leave finally me alone. getting some money and now every all the sharks are out yeah yeah. Um, anyway. So, um, what's what's going to go on with um, Elaine and the flat? I'm wondering, you know, the fact that Elaine is the one that's paying for it all is, you know, with is she still got this target on her back? Is she is Stephen going to marry her and then he'll get the flat off of her, and then if she dies, well, yeah, if she if yeah if if he kills her, I know, because that would be a nice easy way of getting some cash, which is all Stephen seems interested. But in he's not that cutthroat, is he? What do you mean? No, he hasn't killed anybody. He hasn't like planned a murder, has he? No, both of them. Both of the That's murders I mean. he's done have been. If she if she rolls him up with his hole punch in his hand, then maybe. But I I, I don't think he's I don't think he's a plotter yet. I mm. think I, I'm not gonna rule out the possibility. Yeah, I'm so much more comfortable talking about this story than I am the other ones. Like, how is he going to murder Elaine? I mean, he clearly Surely finds her a little her. bit irritating, doesn't he? He's not, you know, with her for the love. If you don't like, he her? doesn't. He's just he just accidentally agreed to it when he He's was high on so LSD, it. and he and it's difficult to back out of. <laughs> She's a very insistent there. woman. You know, you take drugs, and this is what happens. This this is the this is the PS drugs PSA. Well, yeah, this is like, you know, Aaron, when Aaron had too much to drink, look what he got exactly. up to. He raped Amy. When Stephen had too much drugs, look what he got up to. He, he agreed up... to, he ended up engaged to Elaine. So Terrible. hopefully they both learn their lessons by the end of their story. This should be on a poster mm. in a school. Um, okay, we'll move on in a minute. But I did just want <laughs> to say I really, really enjoyed Roy's scenes at the beginning of today's episode with Stephen when he was talking about <laughs> have fallen out with his friend because of the way he said... Alfred the Great, and I can't remember what adjective I mean, he used to describe sarcastic, sarcastic way. And then he starts going on on a. It's not a rant, was it? It was a. It was a it's very a, royish explanation he was of why facts, Michael. Al, Alfred the Alfred the Great 
Which one did he say was greater? Alexander the Great well, was Alfred greater. Alfred the Great was he just, just He just said he just burned some, some cakes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure Roy would know that he did do more than that. But um, Alexander the Great, obviously, greater leader of, I'm going to say, Macedonia. Do you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say... I bet you Alexander the Great never even tried to cook once. I was reading about and Alfred And at least the Alex- Alfred tried. I'm, I'm doing Anglo-Saxons in history after half term and I was reading all about Alfred the Great and the other Saxon leaders. And he did do more than burn cakes. But I won't bore you with it now. I have forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> I also enjoyed it when, um, was it Paul came in and says that he, he orders a coffee to go and Roy's like, a coffee to take away. <laughs> I know. There were, t- there were two really, really good Roy lines that I appreciated. Yeah, that was good. Both. Well done. Um, right, the Damon drink story. Is this back to me again? Is it my turn or is it your turn? Really Did I just do the last know. one? I really have no uh, recollection. Do you want me to do this one? Yeah. I've lost track. So Damon, so he's he's back, isn't he? And Dee Dee's talking to him about this court date for him being set for next Wednesday. I've forgotten about that one, so look out for that next week. And Sarah's surprised to see him there in the, in the lawyer's office when she comes up to see Adam. Um, Adam's not there. And David kind of makes a remark about... Damon. Damon. What did I say? David. Damon makes a remark about Adam standing her up because remember the last time that they had anything to do with each other, he was betting her that he could get her into bed by June the 21st or something. And he's like, oh yeah, your husband's not here for you, is he? And as the week has gone on, we've seen more and more examples of Adam being a bad husband. Um, But anyway, at this point, Sarah's not taking the bait. Because they're such a great couple. I know. Everybody loves Sarah and Adam. Couple for the ages. Anyway, Damon's left looking a bit pensive here. So Sarah ends up... At least up... Her, his, her brother didn't pay for their wed- his wed- yes. her wedding with his dying breath. <laughs> Sarah ends up having lunch alone in the pub later until Damon comes in. He's just like magnetised to Sarah this week, isn't he? Magnetised to her knickers or something. This is another kind of like... You know, with this story playing alongside the Aaron story, oh, this is I a very. I going to say the Daisy story. No, no, this is like a very predatory man who really seems to like a girl is saying no, 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 I won't go yeah, to but bed this is with the you. Whole, this is what happened with with Daisy and Justin. She's like, leave me alone. This yeah. is what Damon's doing. He keeps turning up going, I'm going to shag you one day. And she's like, no, you're not. I don't fancy you. Corey is all about predatory men yeah, at I know, the but moment. This, this is mixed signals, isn't it? And I'm just saying, this is, this is, I don't know what, what you can do about this because there's definitely an element of flirting in Sarah's. Yeah. But how, how do you know if you're a man? But then again, you know, Daisy wasn't flirting, was she? Daisy wasn't flirting, but but Amy certainly was a little bit before the rape. And Sarah is going, oh, no, no. Leave me I alone. I won't sleep with you. <laughs> she clearly is She's... well up for I it. I know, I know. Yeah. She knows that it would be wrong to do it, but she is definitely attracted to I think Damon. She just likes and like the I attention. said on the podcast before, yeah, that's true. I think that there's definitely some chemistry there. Yeah. So, you know, he, he has How given up by know? the end of today's episode. He says he's given up. But if he keeps on pursuing her, well, she is leading him on, what in a you, way. What can you say? She's, she's I don't really know. With her flirty looks, and I know that that's completely bad. Yeah, I know, just, but but, but the, the, you know. you're but then you're saying that if a man perceives your because a lot of women won't just say no or leave me alone because we're scared of well, a man retaliating, and if you don't understand that, the thing is quite often if a man's like trying to chat you up or something 
if you're rude or you're dismissive of him, he'll immediately go, be like, you bitch, you're ugly anyway. You know, it will immediately start having a go at you. Yeah. So women are always trying to, you know, diffuse the situation without being rude. And, you know, with Sarah, what's the difference between what she's doing and somebody who genuinely isn't interested, who's trying to not make yeah. Damon get angry at her? Oh, it's tough being a man. I know. Imagine being a woman, though. Thank, thank goodness no woman has ever found me alluring in any way. I don't get into Michael, these kind you wouldn't of situations. Notice. You wouldn't notice. <laughs> what do you mean? You wouldn't notice. If a woman was <laughs> flirting with you, you wouldn't notice. You'd be like, she, kept, she had something in her eye, and one of her eyes she kept blinking with one eye at me. I don't think anyone, any woman would ever flirt at me. Don't worry, darling. Um, well, I never have. Well, exactly. Um, we just... If you're fishing for compliments, you're not getting them round here. I know, going. I was trying. I was Nobody trying. can see you. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, <laughs> Adam comes into the pub later, and by this time, Sarah's drinking with Dee Dee. Adam's at the bar, and Dee Dee tells Sarah Lou about um, Damon popping in the office later, and apparently he was all excited about supposedly having had lunch with Sarah late. Uh, what earlier. actually happened was he stole a crisp off her plate. Yeah. And, and, and Dee Dee says, you need to be careful. Some men stop at nothing. Like Aaron. <laughs> well, the way she said that, though, if I was Sarah, I'd be like, listen, love, I, I had a baby Parliament. before you were even, your your mum even was born. So yeah. don't tell me how to, what about men. <laughs> Later still, Sarah's in the bistro with Nick and then Damon comes in. Nick's like, mug off, I thought we'd seen the last of you. And Damon says, oh, look, I'm a changed character. I just want to make up with to, to, for what happened with, with you and Sam. But Nick's like, go away, I'm not interested. Uh, and Sarah tells him... Damon, this isn't a game. I'm not interested. <laughs> wink, wink, wink. No, I twirl no, my hair. No. <laughs> he, he says... He, see, he says I'm not taking no for an answer. And she's all kind of coquettish about it. Anyway, Friday's episode, it kind of knocks up a little bit. Um, Adam's still being useless husband um, by ducking out of a Good Friday theme park trip with Sarah you know Louise what he, and Harry. He went back on. What? The Good Friday Agreement. <laughs> nice. Can't say that. It's oh, I terrible. forgot a joke that I was going to make earlier. A really insensitive joke. No, don't do it. No, I'm going to do it. What no, they... don't do it. Yes, it's fine. What are they going to need oh. when Paul no. finally shuffles off his mortal coil? No, I don't want to know. Paul bearers. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, um, Sarah goes and arranges a family. <laughs> there you go. There's a giggle. No, she... I'm not laughing. She goes and arranges a family Easter egg hunt with Shona because thank goodness well, somebody's realised that Alton it's Towers. Easter. I want to go to Alton Towers. I'll go with you, Sarah. We drove. Past... We saw a sign for it on the way. Up we there, always we? drove past the sign for Alton Towers, mm. and then we have to come here instead. Ugh. Um. So anyway, <laughs> she she goes and invites Leanne and Sam next, and Leanne's like, Ah, is Nick gonna be that? No. Nah. Yeah, I still hate nah. Nick. What a cow. What a, I'm such a cow. Um, anyway, she's 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 not coming. Neither Sam and Sam's like, oh, but I want to, I've forgiven my dad. The, but you Sam was the one. Dick. Sam was the one. That's <laughs> only a kid. I didn't mean to say that at all. I did. I meant to say kid. You fickle little kid. <laughs> I made that mistake all the time. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um. Yeah. But he's. It was his idea to kick. That's exactly what and I was going to say. Now she's, he's, and, and what's Leanne like? Leanne's like, well, I've committed to this now. Yeah. I I'm going to commit to being a, at a cow. If I take him back. Yeah. Anyway. You oh. fickle kid. 
Um, anyway, Sarah sees Damon in the street, tells him to bog off again, and nothing much happened in that scene. And then we have a bit more of Sam explaining to Leanne that he really would like to go to this Easter egg hunt. She's like, you're too young. You're, no, you're too old for Easter egg hunts. He's not. Nobody's old, too old for an Easter egg hunt. Easter egg hunt's great. We had an Easter egg hunt in school last year. With so a, a staff Easter egg hunt. Oh, did for you? a staff meeting. It was brilliant. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, teachers definitely don't need to pay for the prize, do you? <laughs> Spend all your time doing Easter egg hunts. It school. was the last day of term. The children had gone home. It's all a sham. Anyway, um, the, 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 the moment is ruined somewhat by Damon walking into the flat because a delivery man let him in. Let's not question that. But anyway, that's how that No, happens. that would... That, oh, they use that totally excuse reason. too much. Anyway, what? Leanne sends... That happens all the time. Leanne sends Sam to his room and Damon's like... I'm not the person you think I am. I've had a character change. Honest, Gov. I've made a stupid mistake with all this bistro stuff. And then and then he says, look, you need to, you know, let bygones be bygones with Nick. Make a brand new future with him. The bistro's great. I could do with getting in with the bistro as well. I just want to be a new man. Um, why, and is, why does so she go buy to your this? Easter egg hunt. He does, to be, he, to be fair, he does seem genuine. Listen, the only reason I'm thinking... I don't know. I don't. I haven't decided I believe yet. Is him he still scheming, or is he just? Is he really trying to change? I believe him because this is what Coronation Street does. They bring in the character and they're like, "Look at this cool evil criminal. Oh, he's so terrible and horrible. Look, he's he's causing a kerfuffle everywhere he goes." <laughs> what? I just imagine that on the press release when they <laughs> this guy will be turning heads of ladies and causing a kerfuffle wherever he goes. <laughs> On screens from such September. A, such a cool criminal. <laughs> but then they're like, oh, we like this character. We like this actor. We think this is more opportunity, more scope for this. Let's just reform him and have everyone forget what he ever did. Mm. I'd be more wanting him to not stay in the show for longer. I don't want him to be reformed, but I'm I'm happy for them to go down this route for him because I he is you know he's a he's a fairly charismatic guy. He's like, listen, Leanne, I used to be a cop in another program. Yeah. Um, Anyway, she, she 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 buys it, and then before long, she's off she's hunting Easter eggs well. with the kids at number eight. No, she doesn't, does she? Nick, Sam and Nick go out the back garden to do some Easter egg hunting, so Sam's clearly forgiven his dad for getting involved with the drugs. Stupid. And um, Sarah is quite interested to hear that it was lovely Damon that was the one who convinced Leanne to um, be lenient on her on her man. Sam, I've decided. Sam is a fickle pickle. A fickle pickle, okay. That's what you meant to say. <laughs> That's isn't what it? I meant yeah. to say. <laughs> um, anyway, D- Damon sees Sarah in the pub at the end of the episode and says, Oh, I'm No, hang to- on. D- Adam comes into the pub where Sarah's having oh, yeah, a drink and he's like, that. Oh, I'm so tired from all the work I had to do. I'm going home. And she's like, <sighs> I thought that he was fed up of her being a bit snarky about well, him no, because he turns having up- to work. Well, yeah. Don't say, oh, you- If you say to me, what, Right, we're going out on towers, and then on the day you're like, I've got a load of work to do. I'd never speak to you again. Don't you dangle Alton Towers in front of my face and then don't let me go. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she's. this is all clearly the very well, telegraphed way of showing, oh, look, their marriage isn't all it's cracked up to be. Here's You'd a have curry. guessed it. It's not cracked up to be anything, but never mind. So she's going to be driven into the arms of another man. But at the end of the episode, he's saying to her, I'm reading you loud and clear. You're not interested. I don't know why he's getting that impression because, like I said, she's clearly flirting back with him. But I don't know. 
I, I think, you know, before we said, is it going to be before 21st of June? I can, 21st of April, more like. She's going to be in bed with him, I reckon. I know. She's like, oh, how, how do we have to wait that long? Mm. Okay, let's whiz through these final stories. Brian's Dimbo Italiano story, Gemma. Remember this? Not <laughs> Didn't feature in tonight's episode, but we did get it in a... Prego! Monday and Wednesday. Pizza! Go on. Meatballs. You're, you're doing this one. Yeah. Um, cafe... Those are all the Italian words I know. Cafe is French. Newsflash. I know. <laughs> Brian's in a cafe at the start of the episode. And he's, isn't he going on about... Oh, no. That was before. And he's going on about coffee. He's like... That was last week. Yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, I, I'm he's, so sad that I Yeah, he's miserable that he wasn't able to tell the difference between an Italian and Colombian roast. So he goes round to, to the um, to the florist and they Brian and Mary buy each other flowers. and uh, But then he gets an email and he's found a cousin in Italy... And um, then in the pub later, Mary tells Roy that she's worried about Brian. Um, but then Brian comes over and he's really happy about the news and he gets a bottle of fizz to toast his new cousin. Yeah, Mary's just a bit worried that he's getting a bit obsessed with this 8% Italian thing. I know. Um, so, on Wednesday, he tells Audrey and Rita in the cafe, he's gonna, oh, I'm going to go to Italy to see my cousin. And Rita's like, you don't even... Do you even know if you're actually related to her? Who is this woman? You're getting a bit ahead of yourself. And he's like, look, I'm going to Italy, deal with it, look after the cabin. And she's like, no, I'm not doing that. Find someone else. So he says he's going to ask Mary. So he goes around to the to sees Mary in the pub and he says, Mary, I've got something to ask you about this trip to Italy I'm going on. And she's like, yes, I will go with you. I've always, I can't wait. It's so exciting. So they start planning their trip and... It looks like it's turning into a bigger deal than it needs to be. But then he gets a message from Isabella saying that her flat is being renovated. <laughs> so I have to come to I mean, see you there's now. There's a family resemblance, if ever I heard one. Brian's flat was just being rewired a few months ago. Something in the she's, water. She's clearly got those packing jeans in her because well, she's, flat renovations and nature, come and not see nurture. them now. And Brian's like, oh, we can show her the, the canals of Birmingham. There's perfectly good canals here, Brian. Did he say that, did he? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's scared of the pusher. <laughs> yeah. It, was that it? Uh, no, uh, oh. Rita joins him later. Oh, yeah. and, and Brian's annoyed that he can't go on this trip. And Rita, <laughs> sign them and Rita listen, Rita comes and, and accidentally drops Brian in it by saying that he wanted Mary to cover the shop, not go on holiday. And I don't think she cares. No, not particularly. And then for some reason, Rita's like, oh, I went to a museum and they had all this stuff. It's postmodern. Oh, don't like it. Does Corrie know that postmodern doesn't just mean stuff that comes out now? I don't Postmodernism know. is like from the 50s. Rita's here, isn't it? Rita's like, Rita was probably like at the fourth, Rita was probably shagging all the artists down at the Orinoco <laughs> Club. Um, so we're going to well, meet she's Brian's... like, oh, it was called Postmodern. I never heard of it in my life. Yes, you have. You're looking forward to meeting Ken Brian's bloody, cousin? Didn't Ken have like postmodern art all over his bloody wall, the pretentious... He did. He had a bit of Matisse, didn't he, I think? Um, you looking forward to meeting Brian's Italian cousin? Do you think she's going to be real Italian? Or do you think she's, or do you think she's going to be Bethany? <laughs> Yeah, I've been I've been living in Italy all my life, but I'm actually going to an English speaking school. Um, I maybe, really, really want some kind of. This is what I wanted Bethany I don't know. to do, like come in and be like, "Ciao, I am beautiful and uh, fierce." I, I kind of am thinking that an Italian 
female version of Brian could be quite hilarious. I but can't also, even imagine that. It could be awfully cringily embarrassing. So I don't know whether I want to see this or not. I'm kind of, yeah, a little bit trepidatious about this one, but willing to give it a shot. I want, I can't imagine. I can't imagine a frumpy Italian lady. I can only imagine beautiful, pasta-eating, vivacious, booby ladies on Vespers. Oh, we'll see whether you're right next mm. week. Uh, or whenever she turns up. I don't know whether it's next week or not. All right, so then we have got, um, speaking of um, people visiting people, is my link to this one. Estelle turns up on Friday, and um, we first meet her outside the um, Undertakers, being all snarky with George, who also hasn't been in Coronation Street for a jolly long time. Nice to see him back. And she's annoyed about how much her... Was it her mother-in-law's funeral is setting her back? Or was it her mum? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Mother-in-law, because she moans about her later. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. So um, he goes to the cafe and has a moan to Todd and Glenda about this iffy customer, and he blames... (laughs) The Queen. <laughs> he blames the Queen. And that nice bit of real world reference in Coronation Street. Don't get that very often. It makes <laughs> Cor- me hopeful that there's going to be something happening for the coronation. Um, but he says, yeah, because no, the Queen's funeral I mean, was the so funeral extravagant. was September and they're just mentioning it now. So at least, they, get, at least they mention it. At least we know the Queen is dead in the world of Coronation Street. Yeah, but I wish it, they could have kept her alive. Oh, couldn't they could they? have done, couldn't they? Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Glenda says, look, you need to be firm for this woman. So then we get to see him talking to her again outside the funeral parlour. Glenda walks up. She kind of stomps up, ready to give her a piece of her mind. And then they clock each other and immediately start bursting the into songs. Isn't it? It's like a Chicago song or something. No, they're singing. It was... oh, they all sound the same to me. Make him cry. Oh. oh, I don't know what it is. But it was brilliant. I loved that scene. I, th- I think it's that... one of the rare times you actually get to hear Glenda singing properly. Yeah, well, this is like proper cabaret, full on. Wow. You know was... what? I wish we were in Media City when this was being recorded because I bet you could hear her over it. <laughs> it was fantastic, um, and it turns out that this pair used to sing together on the cruise ships. They shared a room together and everything, best mates, and they they just they, they, they just head like, over to the rovers, cackling all these away, jokes, don't, don't they? they? And they just finish yeah. each other's sentences or like start singing in the middle just, of. Or just quoting shows. Yeah. And it was again, brilliant. Ah! I loved it. Um, and then they all, they basically, for the rest of the episode, just having a catch up chat in the pub and being very raucous. And um, the men going, because Todd and George are there for a bit and they're like, I can't keep, I can't stand this. I'm going. Um, Glenda Women seems, laughing so sinister. Glenda's to me. very excited to see that her mate Estelle has got a gold card. Well, she's so like, she's, ooh. She's very well off. And it turns out that she's working at a... She no, owns she owns a business. A, a, yeah, like a kids' um, stage school kind of thing. And she's just bought the franchise in no, Weatherfield. I don't no. know what it is. I'll tell you then. Tell me what happened. She owns it. a business that's got a, f- a set of franchises. So she's, she owns the idea. And then you can come over to her and say, I want to open one of your schools in. Okay. And so... Um, she sell she'll sell it to you for like nine and a half grand and then you basically rake in all the cash. Right. And so Glenda's like, That sounds bloody brilliant. I'd be great at that. You know, that's what I'd like to do. And then Estelle's like, Oh sorry, I've just literally sold the rights to the Weatherfield okay. branch uh, the franchise of this. Um but the, so the person hasn't given me the money yet and it's nine and a half grand. And then and then Glenda's like, Oh gosh, I don't even have nine and a half grand, don't worry about it. And um and then she's kind of like a bit cagey when Estelle's like, so what have you been up to? 
I've I've started my own business and I'm loaded and what have you been doing? And Ben yeah. like, oh, you know, well, I only work here for, for a joke. <laughs> oh, yeah, because Gemma starts saying when you well, come on your shift. Well, yeah, she's like, I work here for pin money. You know, I'm in between things at the moment. Mm. And um, she, she, this is obviously like going to be the start of Glenda thinking, am I squandering my talents here? I mean... I'm not going to say she's not, but also don't you don't, get, don't leave, you lose her from great. the Rovers? She's bloody brilliant behind the bar at the Rovers. What see what I think is going to happen here is Paul is going to get an extra nine and a half grand on his loan so he can buy the um, the Weatherfield branch of this kids singing dancing club because apparently he's heard it's quite a little earner and that's how he's going to get his money back. Or he just feels sorry for Glenda and he why not why not just give an yeah, probably will be like Glenda like, I be, really want you to have I'll be, this I'll be dead soon <laughs> have some happiness this is brilliant Remember I don't know where me. this story's going it feels like a a small little bit of nothing story doesn't it I mean the, the woman they've got in to play Estelle is um apparently a well known person she's a West End legend apparently called Ruthie Stop Henshaw apparently well I'm just saying because I've never heard of I know her. but you sound incredulous there's lots of people I've not heard of. She was on I'm a it's not totally well. un, It's not totally without the realms of possibility that somebody could be famous on the West End and you're unaware of it. But she was just brilliant. I love the bones off of She's fantastic. She's incredibly um, famous in, in the West End. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, what I what I want her to do yeah. is to is to like go and judge all the child actors on the street. No, I wanted to I wanted to go and say, you're stage school, stage school, like go up to, who is it? Go, Miley. Up, to, go up to Miley, stage school, go up to Eliza, stage school, go up to... What are you saying? I don't get, where are you going with this? I well, don't get it. So I'm just saying that some of the, some of the kids on Coronation Street scream stage school at you and well, some of them, mothers and some, some of them no, don't. don't say that. You don't know, do you? No, I don't know. But, but I do. What... But if any child is going to burst into song with Glenda and Estelle, it's going to be Miley, isn't it? Well, yeah, Miley or Eliza, I'm going to say. But maybe not Ruby. Um, <laughs> did you? We've been. The, what I was waiting for. I've been waiting for this for quite a long time now. Is George to come back on the program? Yes. Because we've been enjoying um, Tony Maudsley in in Benidorm quite a lot and it's he's one of the best characters we're, we're on series 7 no yeah. 8 maybe of Benidorm now I think yeah. and, and and Kenneth which is Tony's uh, character yeah. came in I'm going to say series 2 so we've Did had an he? awful yeah he was fairly near the beginning and I I was worried that I'd got so used to him as Kenneth that when he came back as George, I'd be like, oh no, that's just Kenneth. But actually, the two characters are very, very different. He's really, he's actually really good at... He is. A lot, I I've mean, forgotten. a lot of people are really talented, but they, they play the same character. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Kenneth is as camp as you like, isn't he? But George, yeah. I know he's he's not, you know, the manliest man that's ever trod those well, no, cobbles. He's, but there's he's, no hint of Kenneth about him no, whatsoever. No, there's not. And I was worried that I'd be thinking, oh, that's just I know Kenneth, what you or, mean. I didn't get but, a whiff of it no, at all. I, I, he's great. He was, yeah, he's, he's, he's really fa- He's really talented. Yeah. And, and and I get now the excitement yeah. for when Coronation Street hired him, him yeah. cast him, yeah, because I remember when his casting was announced, and yeah. it's like, oh, it's going, oh, he's in Benidorm, he's like, I don't know. Well, the, the, good for you. Yeah, the same <laughs> with when Jodie Prenger was cast, and it was like, oh my gosh, it's Well, her. currently, she's like, big on the West End, but who would, who would know that? <laughs> Not me. But anyway, both the Shuttleworths, absolutely brilliant now. I still, you know, I'm still going to say that Archie is my favourite of the Shuttleworths, but I don't know whether oh. that's the rose-tinted specs here, but They're Roy, all great, Roy Hud was Can I just very say, amazing. Shuttleworths never turned out a bad, a bad 
uh, Baden. They are a very consistent family. Best show family ever on the on the show. show? Yeah. Yes. Oh, that that was a funny thing. Um, what was it? Um, Glenda had told Estelle that her family were in removals or something. I know, I but I think that's say. funny because she's like, well, it's yeah. not strictly it's strictly true, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You're right. Um, speaking of dead people, Bill Webster, eh? Oh no. Well, there wasn't really a story here. We just find out that Bill's died this week and Debbie's come back to Weatherfield to get some photographs and stuff, but Kevin's staying out there, so I don't know what's going on with that. What's going on with Mike Lavelle to mean that he has to be off screen for a while? I don't know. Are we going to get to see this Carl Webster that was hinted at a few weeks ago? I don't know. And what do you mean hinted at a few weeks ago? Well, Carl got mentioned, didn't he? I know, he? but he wasn't hinted at. He No, he's been always... He was know, referenced. Yeah. Um, I know, but you make it sound like they, they hinted at the idea that they've got a, a brother, but they've always had this brother. Yeah, no, no, sorry, I didn't mean that. I just felt that this there was this was a, like, a really, really bad tribute to Bill. I know, fact, really? I thought it was nice. Um, this is better than some people get. Some people do get not even this. Some yes. people get nothing. Yes. Some people get a bigger thing. But with Very this, rarely was, would you, you know, get anything significant five years after you have died. Well, yeah, I mean, Bill Bill Webster, and the character, not, hasn't been in it for over ten years. And, yeah, the, I mean, the character of Bill Webster is a, not an incredibly significant... No, he's in not. ...in the history of I Carly. know, he's not. He's, but, he was really lovable. Yes, really but, liked his character. Really, really liked his character. But he wasn't mega significant. But there are plenty of people watching it now who probably don't remember him or... Yeah new people who've never even heard of him. He was from an era when there were lots of significant characters and he was still, mm. I think, just as liked as some of yeah. the, the big names, but he never really had the He's big stories. He's not historical, stories, is he? Was he? Like, what's the, what's the favorite, famous Bill Webster storyline? Don't know. Yeah, maybe that time when Maureen Webster crashed the Christmas party um, when, when he was there having a, having a date with Audrey. But he was in it as well. For a, for a stint when he was younger, he was in it for yeah very very slightly in the eighties when when yeah, Debbie first man. came in it as well with with Kevin. He was his thing was a bit like Peter, off and on again, wasn't he? He went away, then he came back, yeah. then he went away, and he was you know just a builder for a while. But I think he was a big enough name and a likable enough character that he deserved more than just the two or three scenes of Debbie having a bit of a cry over some photos. Oh, I photos. don't know. What like, did you expect to happen? They, they're I, not even there, though. I, I would have liked, you know... I know Kevin that there's, I, I know that not, there's there. not many people that live there now that do remember him, but I would have liked Sally or Audrey to have featured, maybe, to... Like, you know, not just Debbie. Well, I can see where you're coming from, but I still... It feels liked... like there should have been more of a tribute I still thought this to was Peter nice. Armitage. I know, but I tell you what, um, who plays Debbie? Sue Devaney. Sue Devaney was excellent. Yeah, she was. She Love her so much. And, and that moment, that scene where she gave, um, where Abby gave her a hug outside I number know. 13 was really lovely as well. And, and she was looking at the photos and she had, you know, tearing up and stuff. Yeah. Um, and also fabulous morning gear. Leopard skin in red. <laughs> I just would have preferred her to be mourning with somebody because other people there remember Bill. They could have raised a glass oh, wow, to him wow, or wow. something. No, but they could have done. Let me say what I want to say. <laughs> All I'm raising a glass to you, Bill, is to you, mate. It's a load of old ice watered, um, watered down. It is. Right. We have Are you going to drink it? You can't toast and not drink. Sorry. It's unlucky. But he's already okay, dead. So. so. That was quite a long street talk in the I end, know, really. Well, I'm not as long tired. as last week's street talk went on bloody forever. Nearly three hours. 
Come on. But we've done we've done that. We're we're done. We're about to go back to the past to do some news. But first, we need to give our rating on our character of the week. So Mm -hmm. you you quite enjoyed this week's coronation streets. I quite enjoyed it as well. Yeah, go on. Go on, go on, go on, go on. No, I haven't decided yet. I'll let you speak. Three and a half. Yeah. Late notice duvet days. Okay. Anything to add about that? What are you going to say? Um, no, I, I'm going to give it... I'm surprised that you gave it three and a half. I would have thought you'd have gone higher. So I'm thinking three and a half as well. I am giving it um, three and a half of Gail's dead husband's graves out of five. And I, I don't know why That's there's why. half a grave there. But... That's why I waited for you to say your score, because I wanted to bring this up, because I just knew you'd pick this one. Oh, go on um, Well, no, it was just really funny, the reference. They were like, where's Gail? She's visiting one of her dad husband's graves. Which yeah. one? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> and it, it was I, Joe I, for some reason. It was Joe. I, I'm sorry, but I think Michael was robbed there. Yeah. Well, tell Do you what. think that? They probably, didn't, they probably didn't say Michael because they didn't want to confuse people <laughs> because there is a Michael in it now. Okay, good point. I mean, if anyone's going to have half a grave, it's Joe McIntyre, isn't it? It's probably... You know, like he was clonked round the this head with a boom. I can imagine like something's knocked off the top half of his gravestone. No. Um, character of the week this week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, well, I mean, Paul obvious, seems like the obvious one. No. 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 Oh, who are you clearly saying? Estelle. Oh, shut up. Estelle was good. Don't think she can be character of the week. Isabella for not for um, trying to get in Coronation Street. Stop being silly. Um, I can't. Um, oh god, it could be like a- Amy is a strong contender as well. I did feel mega sorry for her, and especially when she had to change her story and everything. Um, oh, I, I think I think it's. I'm gonna I know go it's the Paul easy choice, but I think I'm gonna have to go Paul. 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 Paul, because Paul. he's such a nice guy, just wants to give his money away and and his loan company's money away. He's like the Oprah of Weatherfield. Mm. And and um, he did some good old acting, didn't he, Peter Ash? Yeah. Oh, it's a horrible story. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I might say some other um, notable mentions. I mean, I we don't do this. No, we don't usually. But have I got any? <laughs> This is why we don't do it. You can't say honourable mentions and say nobody Can else I was worth t- honorable bringing Honourable mention up? to Craig's jumper. Yeah. <laughs> that would be my second runner-up for character of the week. The yeah. sun on Craig's jumper with that that cheeky smile that it was giving. Maybe like Damon and Sarah Lou's I, I enjoyed this week as well. And definitely Glenda and Estelle for what few scenes they had. They were just brilliant. But Glenda is always brilliant. And I hope that Estelle is going to be in it for quite a long time. But I've got a feeling that, you know, week or two she's going to be gone. Because it feels like a very much a maybe she's guest a con spot. artist and she's gonna get Glenda. She could be to give us some cash and then she'll be like, "Bye, sucker." She didn't seem. I don't know. She was doing a very good job of. She just seems completely carefree and says, "She she didn't seem in, at all conniving. She seemed very open." I know, but con artists can't be like, "Hello, would hello, you like, uh, would you like to be con?" I've today? got a totally innocent suggestion. <laughs> okay, right. So that is it from Street Talk. That is it from Manchester. We are now cutting back to yesterday Life when we recorded the news. Oh, you just wait to see what news there was. And we'll probably make reference to wondering how tasty this chicken was that we haven't eaten. No, but I had, yeah. You, you tell butty. us that the pizza's nice and the fish finger butty. Um, anyway. <laughs> that's um, it then. That's Bye. It. Bye. Here we are. We're back. Back in the past. Was it? God, I'll tell you what. Uh, that, what about that Friday's episode of Coronation Street, eh, Gemma? Can you believe that that happened? No. I don't, I don't know what happened. Hope it was good. 
What's, what's, I wonder what score we gave it this week. Got literally no idea. What, what are you going towards at the moment? I'm I've thinking. been told off for saying banging too much. You've not been told off. I've just mentioned it. Criticising me all the time. <laughs> Um, okay, so news time. I'm assuming that no more news is going to be happening in the next 24 hours that's going to make this hideously out of date, but I'm going to go with it anyway. And um, it's been a bit of a slow news week, I have to say, but we were looking last week and wondering about what Coronation Street's April Fool was going to be on social media. What did you think of it? How did you rate it this year, Gemma? Corrie's April Fool? Yeah. Oh. I, I, yeah, I, th- I felt the same this Unfortunately, year. Unfortunately, it was a great idea, but it only really appeals to people that watch Emmerdale and Corrie, which yeah. doesn't include us. No, so it was um, it was like a video that they put online with Kirk and um, Caleb from Emmerdale. I don't, I don't know who I this don't know. is. I don't know, is he a goodie or a baddie? I, th- I think he's a baddie. I think he's a baddie. So I this would have been Roman. really fun if you, if you watch both, because like, he, he's saying, oh... Kim's going to buy Underworld. Now, Kim is um, Kim Tate, who was played by um, also Shirley Bassey, who used to be... <laughs> Shirley Bassey. What's her name? Play, played Erica Holroyd. What's her um, name? I can't remember what that actress's oh, name is. That's really terrible at the moment. Famous. She's very, she very was, famous. Very, very famous. Yeah, she played Erica, who yeah. was... Um, who was uh, Nick's girlfriend at yes. one point, and I really liked her in the show. So she the, was great. the video was kind of marketed as a "Here's what's coming up next week on Coronation Street," and you got Kirk there on the phone in Underworld office talking to this Caleb guy, saying, "Yes, Kim's after buying Underworld." Um, he thinks he's talking to Stephen. Claire it, King. That's it, Claire King, of course. Kirk's all confused about it, and he's like saying, "Who's Kim? What have you done to Carla?" And and that's kind of it, really. And it was oh, it was it was nice. It was not. It was for kind of, people that like both, but not everybody does. Yeah, people. Yeah, if you like both, you like a good crossover. Um, if I'm like going to say that Corey have done better ones in it. the past. Not going to talk about it anymore because it was great. If you like both, was it? I don't know. Well, yeah, because right it's in funny it, then, isn't it? Because <laughs> because then you're like, oh my god, imagine if Kimball Underworld. Yeah, but, but we're like not. going like Kirk, who's Kim? <laughs> yeah. What have you done to Carla? You may just feel like on the same intellectual level as Kirk this week, Coronation yeah. Street social media. I hope you're happy with that. <laughs> I mean, the quiz earlier this episode already made me feel like that. I so, much preferred this Entertainment Daily story, which was oh, yeah, they did one too. saying that Tom Hardy was going to play an ex of Glenda's on Corrie. Do you know who Tom Hardy I, is? I wrote this article out and I thought, I'm going to be asked who Tom Hardy... Was he in a Batman? Yeah, was he was he- Bane. I thought he was Bane. Was was he, he the was Bane who spoke like this? Yeah. Also widely tipped to be the new Bond, but oh, I really? don't think he's going to be anymore. Well, well, not if Coronation Street has snapped him up, according to this April Fool. Yeah, Entertainment Daily ran an article saying that he was going to be um, one of Glenda's exes who was going to make an appearance on Coronation Street. And um, a quote goes, Once bosses found out that Tom loved Corrie, they set to work finding the perfect guest role for him. It's all been about timing as his schedule is so hectic. Both Corrie bosses and Tom's people were very keen for him to play against type, so viewers can expect to see a different side to him. They are thrilled to make it work with him acting alongside Jodie as her passionate ex. Finbar. And I like that name. I know. Is that? And I don't think that's canon in the show, is that? I don't think Glenda's been talking about a Finbar. Um, Glenda's provide, has proved a huge hit with viewers, but up to now hasn't had a big story to really sink her teeth into. Jodie's a fantastic actress with a great range, from end-of-the-peer comedy to heart-wrenching pathos. So what's against type, then? Um, well, he's not going to be a big, masked, like, bulky Hard man, baddie. yeah, like, jumped up, kind of super roided out is there, is there anything villain. else that I've seen him in 
How would I know? Well, I don't know. So it's fine. Even if we watched it together, it's very possible you haven't actually seen it. I don't know. Um, see, this is the kind of article that I think would be more likely to trip people. I mean, I think the thing with Kirk and Caleb, well, it's well, like kind of obvious straight away that that's not going to happen. Okay. But this one, I'm, I'm guessing that a well, few people might have fallen for it. That when I was just, I've not seen the news before we just sat down to start recording. So when you scrolled down, I was like... Is Tom Hardy going to be in Coronation Street? <laughs> so a week later, they're still catching people out. He was well. in Venom. He was in uh, Mad Max. That was his breakout here, I think. Right. Bronson but... Inception. Well, you never know. Maybe maybe this this article will make him think, I'm just going to, me, me and, um, and Snoop Dogg will sign up together. Who knows? And who's that other guy that was, was what's that, Tom, what's, uh, Eric Captain Tom Dillon. What is the guy? The what? guy, the famous guy, the singer guy, he doesn't do interviews. And he was like, I actually really like Corey. I watched it the other day. I don't know. And I was like, oh my God. I've got no idea who you mean. Don't know. Anyway, both fake. I'm going to say, yeah, Coronation Street. Not, not not the best one, but I'm glad you did one at least. Because you've had some years where you've not done I'll one at all. I'll moaning. We don't do them. No, now we also thought that ITVX was playing a bit of an April Fool's joke on us at the weekend. Because there's, there's some kind of shenanigans going on with there. This is semi-news as well. But somebody contacted us on Sunday saying... Oh, can you find out what's going on with um, ITVX? I can't see the episodes of Classic Coronation Street on there anymore. And I thought that was very weird because on Saturday I'd been watching some old Classic Coronation Street. I also like the idea that people think our influence extends to like the tech people that work on the app. Well, we didn't end up doing anything. And I just said, oh, I'm sure it'll be back to normal. I'm sure it's just a glitch. But actually some handy people on our Facebook group um, did do a bit of digging around themselves and went to uh, Twitter to at ITVX help and said, oi, what's going on? What's going on? On. Where's my classic Coronation Street episodes from 2002? The excuse that... Well, not excuse. The, the well, explanation that we were given. Scathing, um, odd. Apparently they have been removed due to online licensing issues. Does yeah. that seem weird to you? No. Why not? Because I work with people that sort out things like that and it makes perfect sense to me that it's all gone wrong. What does it mean though? It's saying that something that's just been on ITV3, that they don't have the license to upload it to to ITVX anymore. Who knows what it is? I'm that's not going to speculate. There could it's be so many pro- things that it could be. It's, a, it's obviously a money thing. It is a money... Yeah, but you know, it's Coronation Street. And, well, I know, from but the- they've, they've, got, they've sold the rights to other people or... Well, th- this or they've got maybe I'm thinking maybe they're like oh if we have it online for more than this amount of time we have to pay the actors extra money. I don't and know, like, but screw that. But this week's cor- <laughs> this week's Coronation Street is now back online again. This week's 2002 episode. So, but you can't see it. So if you, I hope right. you're all caught up to so date with that. All they if you haven't, you I thought what they said was at the end of the day, it turned out that they're gonna have them online for 30 days and that's it. Well, that Which was I what, thought was what they were Yeah, they've, they've gone back to what it was, just not for the episodes that aired on ITV3 last week and before that. I don't care. Well, that's because you're not watching ITV... Tell you what, it's getting a bit boring at the moment. Is anyone watching classic Coronation Street and finding it a bit dull? I'm too confused to even understand what you were trying <laughs> to say to me go- about Channel 3 or BBC 3. <laughs> okay, well, here's something that you'll understand, Gemma. Last bit of news <sighs> of the, of the evening. Now, so this, is, this is also tangentially Coronation Street related. There's a show going on at the Lowry that a whole host of Coronation Street stars went to the press opening of, um, what, last night in our terms at the moment? Yeah. A couple of nights ago when you listen to yeah, this. Yeah, do you know who was last to arrive? 
Who's the last to alive? Georgia Taylor. Fashionably late Georgia Taylor, according to their Instagram. Decided to just wander across. She was probably in Greg's buying a sausage roll and she saw lights. <laughs> probably, Quickly probably. ran over. And then she had to hide it <laughs> so the people were saying, oh, I thought you were vegetarian. Are they vegan. It was a vegan sausage roll. <laughs> Georgia Taylor is not vegetarian. We've seen her eating steak. Um, so this is Mother Goose. And the reason, the other reason this is tangentially Coronation Street related is it was written by Jonathan Harvey. That's exactly why. Penman of many a Coronation Street episodes. And also it's got an ex-Coronation Street cast member on its cast it as well. Surrey and McKellen. Yes. Cor- Corrie alumnus extraordinaire. Like him Surrey, Surrey Anne McKellen. <laughs> like- he played Mel Hutchwright slash Lionel Hipkiss. Uh, back about 15, 20 odd I years ago. I want to go ago. to see this so that we can meet, we can go stand by the stage door and be like, oh my God, Mr. McKellen, your role in Coronation Street was unsurpassed. <laughs> yeah, I don't was, know what else you've that done. That was your crowning achievement. I really don't know what else you've been Ian. in. Well, I don't know. We, we are going up there this weekend and we haven't, we haven't booked any tickets yet, but we have talked about possibly going. It's got John Bishop there as well. So it's got some big names. This, this, um, this tour of this this show of it is on tour, so it's only up at the Lowry up until Sunday. So we need I to know. get in there quick. But there were Who, tons where else of is it car- going all over Bristol. I hear it's going to. Is um, it going so to Southampton? I don't think it's coming here, but well, I haven't looked, so it may rude well be. As hell. Well, loads of Coronation Street. They rolled out the purple carpet for them at the Lowry. They did. They night. had so many great. Oh, I'm so. This is this is amazing. William Roach went. That's how you know you got something special going on though. He didn't just turn up to anything. He don't open no supermarkets or anything anymore. He's not hanging around Greg's. Nope. So he was there. Tony Morsley was going there. Going to Georgia Taylor. Do you want to go? Do you want to get one of these four packs? <laughs> it's cheaper if you buy four pack. <laughs> Tony and she's Morsley. like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna risk it. I'm gonna see if I can get one hot out of the cabinet. Josie Prem. Sorry, Will. <laughs> Sally Dinover was there. Another big night. I think Sally was there. She was, she was sitting with um with Georgia and also um Angela Lonsdale as well. Yes, who used right. to play Emma Watson, Corey. Kath Tilsley was there. Dan Brocklebank. Bibster, Harriet Bibby, Julia Goulding, Sarah Khan, Anthony Cotton, Jack James Ryan, Sherry Lee Houston, um, her squeeze Toby Hadoki, who played Fergus, I'm sure you remember. Um, Jimmy Harkishin was there. Well, this, Molly, honestly, um, if you don't, if you, what? Everyone you was there. Down. Uh, Molly Gallagher was there. I know I haven't written that. but it, um, If you want to do anything and these people turn up to see you doing it, then you've won yeah. the war. They, they they have put some pictures of people. I don't know whether you want to do a little quick um they'll just oh god, god just clicking clicking. Where's where's the red carpet pictures? Well I have to oh. say everybody turned up like they were gonna sit in their comfy clothes and watch uh and watch um T V but in a in a thingy. Who's this? I don't we're just know having a look on their is, Instagram he, story at the moment. Or maybe, I a, don't know who this person is. a strange is. tartan looking but person. Looking, I don't know who that is. You don't say that, but she's got got very nice uh patent boots and a nice I've never I don't think I've ever seen a tartan shorts um <laughs> and and jacket combo but I like it well uh, we want to know about fashion fashion ooh like what you're wearing for some of these coronation well, street people Sherry Toby's Houston. dressed up like um a bit like uh what's that white bear White Rupert Rupert the bear I'm sure he'd appreciate that comparison he looks lovely he's probably going for Doctor Who knowing him but okay. that's, that's why Shirley's wearing a nice lilac number there lilac, lilac cardi. cardi very comfortable what are you doing it's, uh, Instagram stories they're just I'm, Angela I'm Lonsdale has got a nice green jacket on and is that a leather jacket oh, no I don't know what but what Sally um, Denner is Sally wearing Sally Denner is just outfit Harriet Bibby everybody's Let, just dressed up all... like they're going somewhere comfy yeah 
Dan. Dan's like got a nice pale blue jacket on. Navy jeans. Julia Ooh, Goulding. Julia splash looks, of colour She's there. got a nice Breton Radiant. top. Radiant. I do love a Breton top and a really gorgeous forest green coat with silk, um, gold buttons. Yeah. Oh, and, um, look at that cosy, really, cosy polo what, neck that she's Sarah wearing. Sarah is channelling um, Fringe McBangs, what's her name, in The Traitors. Oh yeah, Claudia. Claudia. She looks just like her and that is a massive compliment for me because one of the you highlights of watching The Traitors was... Claudia's wardrobe. <laughs> Anthony Collins wearing a very nice brown polished shoes. Michael, you could take a note out of his book for <laughs> sorting your bloody shoes out. Look at Jimmy. Jimmy Hodgson, he looks like, the, cool, he looks like the coolest dad at the school game. He looks like he's just ridden in in his motorbike, <laughs> he does. doesn't he? Going, hey, the dumpster's here. <laughs> I don't think he said that. Uh, we've also got, go back, please. I'm oh, sorry, I don't know who Who's these this? people are. In, oh, England, cricket England cricket legend, Jimmy, Jimmy A. Knight. <laughs> no, no idea. Famous. And uh, our final celeb, George Taylor, um, is wearing her lovely normal coat that she likes to wear and a nice fur jacket, <laughs> nice jacket and nice green top. She looks lovely. Very, very nice. Adira did. And I'm sure other fab. people wore other things, but we haven't got pictures of them, so we don't know. Um, anyway, lovely. Do you think they've got a free programme? The, uh, probably, uh, yeah, I bet they got free everything. I bet, I bet they, they didn't even free... have to pay for their tickets, did they, these I bet they stars. got like a free... Uh, a free popcorn or like something. Yeah. I got free stuff. When I went to the premiere of Mulan, mm. I got some free snacks. And I was like, where's the wine? Do you want me to enjoy it or not? <laughs> and because I didn't enjoy it, because they didn't give me wine, I gave it two out of five. <laughs> and also that was when Corona started. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I remember. Anyway, that that's us blathering on about semi-news this week. Always nice to see some Coronation you Street people out in the wild. You and it sounds like you're saying semi-nude. There weren't any semi-nudes turning up at the Mother Goose Well, unless you come wearing shorts in April. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's it. That's it. So um, I think we'll move on to our feedback section. Right, feedback section. If you sent us feedback on Friday, it's too late because we're recording it on Thursday. Gemma, look at this average score for last week's Corrie. We both gave it fours. But on our Facebook group, 4.63 was the average score. That's the highest it's ever been. I think that possibly is the highest it's ever been. There were there were loads of four and a halfs, so a good number of fives, and like two people agreed with us and voted fours. Nobody voted less than a four for That's last amazing. week. That did well. Good job, Coronation Street. I like that. to think that I, I feel as though, in the grand scheme of things, I'm a, uh, a, a settling presence. You know, I'm like, I'm not a five, but it's not a two. Somewhere it's in between. It's either a three or a four. See, I, t- I said it wasn't a four and a half because it had silly things like Brian discovering his 8% Italian last week. And it was mon- Monday was definitely the highlight for me. But anyway, fair play to anybody who voted higher than that, including Hill, who gave it four and a half games of fish finger Jenga out of five. Chad, <laughs> five sideways glances. Um, uh, 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 excuse Michael, me. Michael, for goodness sake. What? I just did a little burp as I was talking. Sorry. Chad, sorry, Chad, gave it five sideways glances at a mechanic's wrench out of five, who I misses, mm-hmm. and Judith gave it four notable Italians, who she lists as Puccini, Pavarotti, Paul Flaming Gascoigne. No, do it in Italian accent from Puccini, the beginning. Puccini, yeah. Pavarotti, Paul Flaming Gascoigne, and Brian. Can you roll your R's 
Pavarotti. Yes, Pavarotti. I, d- oh, I don't well know what. Done. I don't know what. Pavarotti. I don't think they do a proper. Roman I don't care what they Italy. do over there. That's How many people me. are listening? That's reminded me. Speaking about going to premieres and things, I hope that we're also putting the Super Mario Brothers movie on our list of things to do over the next few days because you know that's been out now for forty-eight hours and everyone else has seen it apart from me. Peter Ash has been to see the Mario movie. I want to see it. We going to yeah. see it. Yes, of course. Manchester. Um, I forgot to do this earlier. If you're a South Korean fan of Coronation Street, get in touch with us as soon as you can. Oh yeah, speaking of feedback. We need you immediately. We don't need you, but somebody else has been asking us on Twitter, haven't If they? you know any South Korean fans of Coronation Street, likewise, please tell them to contact us. It's a secret. Don't even think about stop carrying on listening. Pause this right now. We need to know, like, straight away, apparently. Straight away. Somebody who wants a South Korean Coronation Street fan, they need to know. Right, okay, feedback. So we have got an email here from Just Manic. We did ask for feedback about our Summer Spellman character profile this week, which I'm going to say... I know we've had some nice feedback about it from a few people, but I'm going to say that was one of my least favourite bonus podcasts we've ever done. It just felt like, at the end of it, I felt like we were just a bit a bit miserable. Did you get that impression? I think it's something about summer just makes everybody... I tried to make it funny. Right, okay. Yeah, we invited playing. Summer's Robot along, but I was just was really not happy Tell with how the what... episode went down. So sorry, anybody who's listening to it and also didn't enjoy it. We were allowed the odd blip here and there. But anyway, Jess Manick has written in, in defence of Summer and says... Good, um, thank you. Summer is actually my middle name. Good for you. That's a really cool middle name. I just wanted to say that I think Summer gets too much unwarranted criticism. She's a nice throwback, in my opinion, to younger female characters from Coronation Street's past, such as Katie Harris. Yeah, also famously cheerful. (laughs) Especially that time she whacked her her dad around the head with a wrench. Not every girl has to be feisty, and she's been through a hard time in the show. I think Harriet Bibby has been wonderful, and I like Summer in that she tries to do the right thing, but cannot always, as everything is so Mm -hmm. complicated now. She's an early 2000s character stuck in 2023 definitely thinks she needs a brief break a nice boyfriend and light-hearted comedy stories to break her out of this misery cycle thank you very much sophie i think oh, i would agree with this right where you said she's an early 2000s character stuck in 2023 that really it just kind of feel like if you're watching friends at the beginning you know i'll be there for... and yeah. they all smile at the camera and go yes i'm played by this character. You can imagine her just popping up going, and Summer's in it too. <laughs> you know, and turning up and going, wow, Ross, you've got a monkey. That's really cool. Yeah, maybe. Well, you know, I, I do, I, I, I agree with Imagine her hanging this. around Central we... Perk going, I can't, I'm not allowed too much coffee because I get jittery. I can only have um, decaffeinated chamomile tea. Sophie, yes. you say that not not every character has to be feisty, and I'm I'm certainly I, I completely I agree, agree. I do not want Summer to be feisty. That's the thing. I preferred Summer when she was a little bit more, um, a little bit more swattish and, and bookish and, and quiet and things like that. But um, and yeah, we've been through a hard time in the show. That is definitely true. I know Absolutely. lots of people have though. Yes, everybody's been through a hard time <laughs> in the show. But anyway, let's no, seems agree, like Sophie I, agrees that she needs a break. I appreciate so. that. I think you you've given a good defence there of her. Yes. Good job. Um we've also got a message here from Matt, who was very complimentary about our Summer Spellman character profile and said it was probably the most balanced conversation he's ever seen on Summer, TBH. Much as I love her, says Matt. 
and Harriet, I have to agree on having too many issues loaded onto her, which definitely doesn't help. Having been fortunate enough to meet her, Harriet is definitely how she seems to be. Trust me, being a summer fan in 2022 was a hard oh, time. No. <laughs> I'm glad she's going to be supporting Amy over the rape. That may well help show her off in a better light, especially as Harriet and Ellie are good friends off screen. Well, that was very nice yeah. to say. Thank you, Matt. It just it kind of was just what I needed after, as I say, I finished up recording and uploading that episode and thinking, oh, that was a clunker. Also, lots of people, well, a handful of people have were very excited to have the triumphant return of Summer's Robot to that episode. So I'm glad, I'm glad that we, you know, cheered, cheered some of you up with that. I mean, so the thing is, right, okay, I don't want to keep moaning on about Summer after <laughs> just read out two nice Difficult to avoid it, But really, like, it? it feels like... Curry's got such an easy win here with her. Like, can't they just ta- can't they just put her back with the robot stuff again? Why? Why? They've got like the perfect. Yeah, it isn't a personality. <laughs> I like like I like this and I like that. It's not personality, even though a lot of people who create characters seem to get confused on that on that <laughs> basis. But just having a go get back into robots would be really interesting well, the, but properly not fake robots the robots are still there in the flat aren't they I know, but but it would be really cool if she if she leaned into this like really kind of geeky like personality and i'll tell you what else you could do with her that would be true to the character but also a bit of an issue storyline that wouldn't be too dark was would be to have her be into robots and have um, and, and try and hang around with all the, you know, the, the robot club, which would be full of guys, all being like, oh, you don't know what a robot is. Uh, <laughs> what's your favourite robot then? Uh, you know, like, gatekeeping. Like, her trying to work her way and like, win these guys over or facing sexism because she's a female... You know, she looks like a... I think that's one of the reasons they even gave her robots in the first place or something she liked, because she doesn't look like she's into robots because she's a sweet little girl. But girls can like anything. They can, they're allowed to like all sorts. But you see what I mean? Don't you, don't you think that would be... likes robots. <laughs> do you not think that would be interesting? Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I It'd think... be a nice, light-hearted issue story. If they, if they have to have issues back every every minute of every day is an issue... Which they do. Then let's let's put something that actually has been um, seeded in the character since the beginning and also makes her a unique personality on the street. There's nobody else that's been on Corrie who's been into robots for five years can tell you that for nothing what you've been saying about her needing to lead more into a geekiness it's just kind of made me think that out of her and Asher and Amy I'd almost say go so far as to say that Summer is possibly the least geeky out of all of them at the moment I think I made a comment about the fact that she's supposed to be the swatty one who's so clever and, and wonderful that she wanted to go to Oxford she's like by far the least academically... Uh, she comes across as being... Like, what, what has all... she ever done that, that she, literally, she wrote down... She stu- She didn't even write her own notes that she cheated on an exam. She used Hardy's notes. Yeah. Well, maybe she's just rebelling because, you know, sometimes you do hear about these children who are proper bookworms and teachers, pets and swats and geeks and whatever. Okay. And then they have a... They go on a rebellious phase, but I... No, I, just, I don't think she is, but no, no, she no. doesn't okay, seem... You just put a really funny image in my head of of Summer, um, like, after having been found out to be to cheat, be cheating on her exams, mm. hauled into the head 
deputy head because the head's not doing <laughs> anything. Yeah, uh, and they're like, Summer, you've been cheating on your exams. And like, instead of saying, oh, sorry, I had an anxiety and I, and I just made a stupid decision. She's like, oh, I, I was rebelling. I was rebelling. That's what I was doing. Definitely. It wasn't being an idiot. <laughs> no, I was rebelling against uh, my type. My, I want my, to see her give all of the stereotype. finger and then storm out of the school and say, right, I'll get on a, mo- a motorcycle and say, I'm off, see you losers. Come and on, Dev, let's go. And then they drive ride off. Ride straight to the <laughs> canal. <don't they? laughs> Who knows what the future has in store for Summer? Only time will tell. Um, but I think it summer's, might be something to do right, with Paul's hand. The, summer's, the idea of summer, of summer being a SWAT, it kind of reminds me of those stock images you have of like female scientists... Like you can't just be a normal scientist. It's a female scientist, um, with like just a just a woman who's in a lab, smiling with full face of makeup, with like safety goggles on, yeah. doing something you don't need safety goggles for, with her hair just all over the place, not even in the ponytail, going, "I'm sciencing." This is why I thought as well that in the future, a relationship between Summer and Sam might work. Because there's only seven years age gap, remember, between the characters. And they could you, they could just be a, a pro-science team together could or something. They? they could. And they were like, let's not have sex. Let's just clone a baby. Yeah, that could happen. Curry's first. First on soap, I would say. Right. They need to be getting there for their first in soaps. Because they haven't got first gay wedding. No, they certainly haven't. They're still waiting for their first one of those. Um, right, next up, Gemma, we have got an email from Tasnia, so I'm going to pass over to you to read this one out. I'm just thinking about the idea that you haven't had a gay wedding in Coronation Street. Just, think, just thinking about the idea of Sam and Summer cloning a baby together. <laughs> but you're right off. I tell you what, it would be quite It would be quite ironic if, well, you know, sad. sad. Coronation Street, it's, at the moment, is probably on track to, to feature the first clone before they have the first gay marriage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, Tasnia says, I'm not interested in the Amy storyline, but I do have some thoughts. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> I like this because I'm like that, Tasnia. I'm like, I'm not interested in this, but tell you what, I've got some opinions. <laughs> right, she says, firstly, I think Aaron is in denial. Maybe he didn't understand at first, but he certainly does now. And I don't think he wants to admit it. There is no question Amy was raped, but this has raised a few questions. Like, how drunk is too drunk to give consent? I know some people have had this discussion in the past, but it's got me wondering, was Aaron even able to consent? He certainly wouldn't have been fit enough to consent to anything else. We've seen too many times on TV, two people getting very drunk and waking up next to each other, not knowing what on earth happened. I'm not saying that getting drunk means you can't consent to a cup of tea, providing you haven't passed out, but I do think that as well as consent, people need to be educated on safe drinking as it can lead a person and to make terrible decisions. I wonder if Aaron would have done what he had done had he been sober. I think people, a lot more with drugs, but I don't think many people realise that alcohol can cause more harm sometimes. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, people are more aware of the dangers of taking drugs and alcohol is very much... Um, it kind of infantilises as to what the effects of it can be. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that he would have done it had he been I- sober, but... It's it's still not an excuse in my book. I know, but the thing is, right, okay, I totally agree with what you said, Tasnia. I think I said it before as well myself. But it feels to me like um, girls have been educated and and I'm not, you can't victim blame, but def- definitely the idea, and, and I've seen people on, on Twitter and Facebook saying this, oh, you know, it's Amy's fault because she got too drunk, yeah? So so girls are, girls are taught... Be careful, don't get too drunk because you don't know what could happen to you. Somebody could rape you. Our boys have us taught, don't get too drunk because you might rape somebody. I never was. 
I don't think they really think about it. The worst thing that can happen to a girl is you pass out, you get you get raped. Mm. Yeah, and so men, boys need to start accepting there are risks to, to them as well. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a risk that boys take on. Yeah, no, it is. It totally is. I just think that boys get... I, I don't want to be rude and um, generalised, but I, I just don't think that boys get educated about danger as much as, as women do. I literally have got no idea. I am a boy, or at least I was when, once upon a time. But it can ruin your life, if, like we're seeing with Aaron. Yeah. I, I. You could get drunk and you could ruin your life, so don't do it. It's, it's really... Do, do boys get taught that? Because girls certainly get hammered over the head a million times by all the risks inherent with being female in almost any situation. I don't know. Um, I don't want to talk more about this one at the moment. Okay, it's really difficult. Now we're doing the feedback I section know, we do. after we are, the we speed don't know talk. What we've, we've, said. we've probably talked quite a bit about this because I know you've certainly got numerous <laughs> thoughts about this this week, which probably came up in street talk. So, so we'll move on. But if um, sorry, if, if we more... don't, maybe we'll address it more. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm not. I mean, the story is going to run. Of, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you're right. I've got a lot of thoughts. Um, I thought Steve and Peter were great, and Tracy was unfair on them on Monday's episode. We all know if it was Steve that did what Tracy did. He would have faced a lot more backlash. Peter was so lovely and it's nice that Amy has a big family. Yes, agreed. I think Amy should have had David to talk to. They both have gone through some very similar things and he was there for her after the spiking. I know it was her her son who spiked her. His son who spiked her. His son who spiked her, but it doesn't make David any less of a relatable person. He'd make a really good friend to Amy and it will make his character good again. That'd be an interest. I hadn't really kind of considered those two together. Well, it's it is interesting because in a way that would be David passing on the baton that he took from Aiden's situation. Mm. You know, when when he was raped originally, he had a lot of depression and he was really struggling. And it was Aiden's suicide story that woke him up a bit to how bad his mental health yeah. had deteriorated. And and you know, in a sense. Aiden did him a favour and so maybe David could pass on that karma you know something good coming out of something so horrible mm. as, I don't as think they are going to go there no I don't think they will could, could work. it could happen at some point though it's something worth tucking in your little hat there for a future storyline if you're mm-hmm. going to be writing it <laughs> I'm not an Abby fan but I'm sure her fans are worried about her backing Aaron but she doesn't know Amy's side yet I think Abby will be the one to make Aaron understand what he did. I know it seems crazy that a person wouldn't know that this behaviour is wrong, but I'm from a different perspective. If I was Amy at that age, I honestly wouldn't have realised what had happened and I would have needed someone to explain to me I'd actually been abused. It's concerning, though, to some people who aren't young but grown-up adults think that Aaron didn't do anything wrong, and that does scare me a bit. <laughs> Tell me about it. As I say, it. we have probably talked about this earlier on this episode. Uh, I want to say so much. <laughs> Save it for tomorrow. I'm glad Summer is on Amy's side, however, I am interested to see how she'll feel when she finds out Amy and Aaron did share consensual kisses at the start, as she doesn't know this yet. Maybe she won't care, as there is a bigger fish to fry. As for Aaron, I think he will eventually admit what he did, and be sincerely remorseful, but I feel the damage is already done. I know for a fact I'd never trust someone like that. I think the best thing for the character is to leave. You just can't come back from something like this. Mm. Yeah interesting yeah really good thoughts I, I and I also just want to encourage everybody to um, say what you think because somebody might challenge you on it but that's okay you know 
it's okay it's okay if you are working things out in your in, uh, out loud sometimes we all need to talk about it i think it's really hard because some people aren't on the same page about this no still and it, it's okay if you're still struggling with, with that it's okay because many of us were brought up with this weird idea of like rom-coms and stuff in like the 90s and things where this would have been totally fine and they probably would have ended up getting married by the end of the movie. You yeah, know? but these days we live in a world where they're censoring the remake of The Little Mermaid. <laughs> and we're in a different time now, in aren't we? A different time. And, and, yeah. and this, people's brains don't always move as fast as the collective unconscious does. And, no. um, but you do have to get on board with some of these <laughs> things. So, and if, if, if how that works out is you saying something that somebody corrects you on, don't, yeah, just, just listen and and try to understand where they come from. But equally, I want to say, um, let's not try to attack people too much who are, who are struggling with it. And I, I, you know, I've had arguments with people on Twitter, but I've tried to be polite. Yeah. Um, I kind of lose my patience after, you know, the fifth time I've said the same thing. <laughs> um, and in real life, I don't, don't think we'd be so rude to each other, would we? So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, anyway Rebecca. Rebecca, this is about last week. I thought, what a harrowing start to the week. But everyone knocked it out of the park, especially Charlie Jordan, Ryan Prescott and Andrew Steele, who were all fantastic. Andrew Steele. Steele, that's correct. I knew that there was going to be an acid attack, but like a lot of people, I thought it was going to be Daisy and not Ryan. It was only when I saw the promo pictures and saw Ryan behind the bar, I was like, why is Ryan there? there? And then I started putting things together, but I kind of talked myself out of it. I do think that Ryan and Daisy will have some sort of relationship, but then Daisy might start to realise it's the link they share with the attack, rather than anything romantic. I also think Daisy and Daniel will be married before the year is out. I adored Abby in Monday's episode as well, and once again, she was the hero helping Daisy. I loved Alia trying to make everything about her, (laughs) but I do think that she wants to help Ryan. But does he want the help, or does he just want Daisy to help him? I also think that we will see in a sexy way indeed. I also (laughs) think that we will see Justin again, maybe if he has a court case, but depending if they want want to focus on this story or the Amy story. So this has been the thing this week, hasn't it? I mean, unless it all changes on Friday, we've gone through a whole week without this story making an appearance. What's complaining? It's, well, it's mostly been Daisy fans to be <laughs> going. Where's da- Where's Daisy? You would have thought you would have thought there was been, just been an acid attack, and I was like, yeah, but when when the acid just coming leading up to the acid attack, you wouldn't have thought there's been a rape, would you? That's very that's really true, actually. They, I remember complaining after the rape yeah. happened, and then they had the Monday episode where it was and featured, like, where, and then it dropped off the edge of the planet. Where's the and drama? And now it's happened with this. I don't, there's honestly... Two, there's, there's almost too there's, many stories yeah, going on at the moment. They're both but, too heavy, and they're too issues-driven to have them f- featured equally in one week. Yeah. In my I mean, opinion. Last week, we did have the two stories, didn't we, concurrently on like the Wednesday and the Friday episode, but... but then, the focus can't... has to be on one or the other. Yeah, and, and and also, you got, like, you know, you're spinning your plates, and it's like, oh, that, that Faye and Miley one's going to drop any second now, we need to give that one another spin, and that's why this, that's turned up against it's this so week. It's so easy and, in theory, but... And all, what's Brian doing at the moment? Nothing. Let's give him a story about his Italian heritage. It's, it's really... I, I Where's think, Toya? I think the only solution, Gemma, is to bump this up to, like, ten episodes a week. <laughs> then... I think I'd die. 
Um, where did we get to? Speaking of Amy's storyline, Emma says, not Emma says, Rebecca says, Elle was brilliant again, especially in the scene where she told Tracy. I agree with Michael. Tracy has been a bit restrained, so I was happy when I saw her at the end of the episode with the leaflets. I bet by the adverts Monday, the leaflets will be on the <laughs> lampposts and windows on the yeah. street. Yep. I think that a Abby will believe Aaron. However, as horrible as it is, someone else needs to be attacked by Aaron, especially as the case has more or less been thrown out by Swain. She needs evidence, so she needs DNA. I also agree... I don't think that's the story. I don't think that's the... The idea of this story is not that he's a serial rapist. No. The idea is that he's not aware of what he's done. He didn't... He He's... No, he... I don't think he was fully aware at the time. But he was conscious enough to do it. And even now, he's kind of... He's trying to talk himself out I don't of it, isn't think, he? I he's don't, definitely listen, making some things up. That's the thing, which I means he must have some idea that he knows what actually happened. It absolves him of, of any uh, responsibility to say that he didn't know and he still doesn't get it. And I think a lot of people are scared to, to say that because it makes it sound like you're making excuses for him mm. and therefore you're saying what he did was fine. I'm going to say... He, he, I don't know whether we've seen something on Friday that changes my perspective on this, but I'm going to say that he just doesn't get what he did is wrong. And I'm not going to say that that's not actually that unusual because of what I've seen on social media and Twitter. Mm. People, people agreeing with that perspective. Does Aaron need a little dream sequence of his own? Because we saw Amy, I mean, again, maybe he has one on Friday, maybe. but we saw at the end of Amy, uh, Wednesday's episode, Amy kind of dreaming and remembering a little bit back to what happened. And it'd be interesting to see Aaron um, wake up, you know, bolt upright in the middle of the night, having had a similar Weeks. dream, realising exactly what he did, or see, just looking guilty as if he has known all along. Maybe I've already said this in the previous section. This is why we don't record listen, out of order, usually. I think, I think when... I, I was wondering what's going to be... Wh- how does this story come to a satisfying close where you feel like justice has been served? And it's not going to be through the courts, I don't think. I think now what we're looking at is needing Aaron to understand and accept and admit. And that will be the end game of this story. But if he admits, surely then... He's gonna. There's gonna be some kind of criminal. I d- I honestly don't think. I just don't think that there would. I don't think the story needs that. I don't know personally. I don't know, but I think it would be enough for him to say, "I know I've done it. I know. I know what I've done now, and I'm gonna." Maybe he needs. I don't know. I don't know. We will see. We will see. And then again, maybe we've talked a bit more about this earlier on this episode. We will have to see that. Well. <laughs> um, Only well, you know that. I, 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 not me. The no, list- you listener. Oh, yeah, you know. Unless you, unless you skip the street talks section to get straight back to the feedback. Odd choice if you did, but hey, more power to you. You do what you like. Um, we are back to Rebecca's email. Um, I also agree with Michael. Some are believing Amy is good, but I don't know how long it'll last for, especially if Aaron manages to convince her again. If Rufus doesn't end up face first in that swimming pool, I'll eat my hat. I'm also worried about Michael. But that might be a later date. Michael, don't go shadowing Stephen, as that's a red flag right there. <laughs> just, just imagine his shadow is him or right up until murdering somebody. Okay, imagine... Michael, so what we do now after work is we get this hole punch or whatever stationery happens to be lying around. No, can and just Michael's a... like, is this normal? In my mind, I'm, what, I'm, I'm seeing... Um... Stephen standing over Rufus's corpse with the howl punch and 
and Michael kind of nervously looking behind him going, oh, but Stephen, there's, who do I kill? <laughs> there's no more bodies. Maybe Stephen will let Michael kill some of his next victim for him and he'll say, look, you, you do it, Michael, and I'll just stand back and watch and I'll give you some pointers. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting choice to use the stapler, personally. <laughs> Interesting. You decided not to put his body in the bin. You know what? I could learn from you. <laughs> Bury him in the ground, you say. Mm, this could catch on. <laughs> um, okay, so finally, I do think the Marco story might have come to an end, as it seems to have come to a natural conclusion. As you said, Beth and Kirk's story is a filler anyway, so for them to get more than two weeks of a story as a result. I'd like to see Marco again, though, but I don't know how he would fit into the street. Mm. The only way I could see is if he started dating Glenda, like I said beforehand. Character of the week is Ryan, but it was a close between Amy and Daisy as well. I give the week four and a half times. Ryan still had his charm and his wit Aww. out of five. Go Thanks, Ryan. Rebecca. I just we just got two tragic little blokes, haven't we? Two little. I and I in my mind sometimes I keep getting Paul and Ryan mixed up. Do you? Just a little bit because they're both very similar looking. No, they're not. They are. They're just like generically. <laughs> what universe are they? Similar? They're generic okay. looking white men with brown hair of a similar age. You think I look like Ryan and Paul? I thought I was talking to Paul. <laughs> oh, I, I I was hoping to be more like Ryan, to be honest, with my with my buff bod here, but <laughs> never mind. <laughs> it's the way you keep dropping cups, Michael. <laughs> Okay, right. Nancy says, the dream sequence was needed to show how anxious Daisy was about her wedding day. Not needed. I knew about the... <laughs> Not needed, Nancy. Sorry. All right. I knew about the acid attack, but I had no idea it would come from before she left the Rovers. Ryan stepping in front of Daisy when Justin threw the acid was powerful. A dramatic twist. And Daisy rushing to bring Ryan to the shower was exactly what I would have done. I was in tears hearing Ryan screaming in pain. I loved it when Daisy played along with Justin and got in the car and honked the horn. I just want to say, I've seen a couple of people, I think, online recently saying, oh, I'm I'm glad they showed that bit about the, the, the constant stream of cold water. Like, I didn't know that you did that. I just really hope that people don't get into a situation where they have to be able to do that, you know? Well, it yeah. It seems horrible. But equally, if they had, what, 300 acid attacks in Manchester just last year... Then statistically, somebody who watched Monday's episode may well have to tend to somebody's acidic face. I don't know. See, isn't that interesting? What? Your male perspective. Even though, I'm not being, I'm not criticising you, I'm just saying it's interesting. Even though it was obviously Ryan who was the victim. When you think about somebody having violence enacted upon you, upon them, you think of how, how you, would you react to help them. Whereas as a woman, I'm thinking... If I get acid on my face, I need to put my head under the tap. You see what I mean? <laughs> Just do it the myself. Reason, the only reason I'm saying that is because you were like, oh yeah, it's a good tip in case of that situation. And I was thinking to myself, as a woman, often I'll be collecting tips for like, if you're walking down the road and somebody's following you, you know, here's a tip for what to do. And you collect all these tips in your mind because you know that you are statistically more vulnerable of... Um, having violence enacted upon you, but from your perspective, you're probably like, hmm, yeah, probably a good idea for well, a woman I was just to do kind that. Of, no, I was I'm not just kind of thinking, you. No, 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 I'm just saying that I'm kind of thinking that if you've got acid thrown in your face, you're probably not in a good frame of mind to know what to do to yourself. And you kind of hope that someone's going to take the reins and lead you to a stream of water. You know? If I'm getting acid thrown in my face, I'm just going to be writhing around on the floor until someone steps in to help me, I think. Anyway, that's what I think. 
continue um, with Nancy's email. Daisy was her own heroine. Emma Dale had a character that got severely burned in a fire. The character was Priya. Yeah. And she had a therapist and she could not look at a huge scar. Charlotte Jordan, Sanya Matthews and Ryan Prescott deserve awards. The Amy storyline turned a corner when Amy decided to tell her mother what happened. This is something I'd predicted after seeing Amy's expressions while she was listening to Steve, Tracy, Adam and Sarah discussing what happened to Daisy. It's sad that a woman is scrutinised when she reports the rape. I'm glad that Summer believed Amy. If she, Amy could speak with Carla, she, she has been raped. Tracy and Steve were so supportive of Amy. Deirdre would be so proud of her. Amy's feeling bad for Aaron. It's the, it's the mother in her. It ought to be interesting to see what happens when Kevin Did comes... Did you say Amy's feeling bad for Aaron? Abby, sorry. Abby no, I don't know. I was, I was just zoned out a little bit there. Abby feels... You're right. Abby feels bad for Aaron. It's the mother in her. It ought to be interesting to see what happens when Kevin comes back and to see Tyrone's reaction. Amy's smarts remain anonymous. I hope Tracy's effort pays off. I feel Coronation Street will do good in educating the public about consent. Rufus and Michael both presented obstacles for Stephen. I feel Rufus... Stephen has to kill Rufus. Michael may find new reasons to be suspicious of Stephen. Kirk will find out about Marco. This will eventually push Kirk into marrying Beth. Interesting. I give this week's four episodes... Four... I give this week's episodes four songs Glenda wants to sing out of five. The character of the week is Daisy. I give a massive shout out to Ryan and Justin. Oh, I wonder who we gave character of the week to this week. Yeah, good question. Did you question. get anyone brewing? No. I still haven't undecided yet. Right, finally, I think this week, we have got a message from Alice, which she posted on our Facebook group this week. And I thought, I, I told her that we'd um, pop it in the podcast to have a little bit of a discussion about. So Alice says um, that she is a relatively new podcast listener. So that's nice. nice that's to, nice to hear. Nice to have newbies. She says, thank you for all your hard work and commitment. Michael, thank you for your dedication. And Gemma, thank you for your humour, sensitivity and deep emotional intelligence. There you go. That's it's nice, all a ruse. It? That's nice. Thank you. Um, one question. I have learned that you are both huge feeling <laughs> fans and of the whole story arc. Yeah. I am so interested in learning and finding out about perspectives different to mine. And I'd love to know <laughs> what you loved about the character and story. A PSA. I know one of the main criticisms and pushbacks was the dark, gritty elements of the story. This is not a reflection of my opinion. I agree with Gemma that the fantastical elements of stories compared to cancer stories, for example, make them more entertaining. For me, my experience of the story was more a result of feeling the character was one-dimensional. Just my opinion. I know this is not the majority. So thank you for reading this and please do comment your opinions. I would love to hear them. Gemma, feeling. Oh no. It's been like five years. If you'd have asked us five years ago, we probably would have been able to be a bit more verbose in our um, explanations. But I mean, straight away, going by what you said, Alice, about him being one-dimensional, that's not... I found that wasn't him to my be perspective incredibly of him at all. deep. Um, I mean, the whole thing about um, you know, I, I'm, I always, whenever I think about that, I think about the scene with him and Andy in the cellar, and he's like saying, "I'm reviewing the situation," or he says that line of the Oliver song, whatever it is, and he's like, "Do I, do I kill you or do I let you go? I could still be a good guy." But if I cross the Rubicon here and become a baddie, then that's that's me. Go- and I, I, I found was... all that kind of stuff really, really. And, and when he was watching Michael die and he was talking about, you know, that watching, he, he couldn't bring himself to kill a rabbit when he was younger because he, he, well, he didn't have that killer instinct. All of that kind of stuff, I just thought, really added a whole, whole lot of layers to him. He was probably the most self-aware villain 
I think I remember watching on Corrie. And, and you know, it's it's definitely a trope on Coronation Street that the villains don't see themselves as villains. But he, he seemed to be the one who was most aware of the fact that he was treading on a... walking on a tightrope between what he thought of himself as being a good person and the dark side of himself. I think that the other ones were, were a lot more in denial, like John Stape continuously seemed to kill people accidentally trying to prove that he wasn't a bad person and and Richard Hillman you know he at the end of it tried to kill his whole family because he couldn't accept that he had failed to to be a, a good father yeah. but but Pat really was always wondering aloud you know am, am I is there anything redeemable about me am I gonna go further with my journey here or mm. am I gonna refrain or you know and as soon as I as soon as I take my foot off the accelerator what's gonna happen to me mm. he knew that it was basically push forward into the darkness or have the light shine upon everything you've done yeah I also found that the very very charming and charismatic performance by Connor McIntyre. Yeah, that was a big. That was part a of huge, it. huge part of it, and you know, giving that part to another actor may well have resulted in a story that I didn't care. I know, for but the thing so is, much. the 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 whole. I, I, from what I understand of the situation, the part that you know Pat Phelan becoming this kind of serial killer was was based on Connor's charisma and popularity as the character of Pat Phelan. When he was first introduced, there was never really a reason. They never had in their minds, oh, we'll bring him back at some point and turn him into a serial killer. No, I don't think so. It developed out of his the, react, the fan reaction and mm. his performance and, you know, sparked something in the writers and, and the producers and things to say, oh, you know, it would be great if we had this guy back. He would be brilliant. Yeah, I found him genuinely him terrifying He's as well. Very scary. He could turn on, you know, he could turn on the smiles and the genuine warm charm. But when he kind of gives you this look, and the, and Connor did it to us sometimes Honestly, to prove it when we met with him sometimes. It's like you just have to look at people really like scary. this, and he could be proper terrifying. Um, and I I just loved seeing how he um, had everyone on the street, almost everybody, under his spell. But then there were the odd people like like Michael, Johnny for a little bit, and and a few others. Seb and Nicola. Yeah, who who did kind of say, hang on a minute, there's something not right here. And every time somebody was close to catching him out, they'd they'd be put off the scent or or murdered. And it's like, oh my gosh, don't get too close because I don't want you to <laughs> don't want you to get killed. Um I mean, to be honest, if you if you're wondering like what is it you like about the story and the character, you only have to listen to what we say about Stephen to understand that this is completely something that we both totally love about the show. Yeah. It's our it's our sort of story. But even, you know, as much as I am enjoying the Stephen storyline for the camp silliness of it, it is in no way for me anywhere coming close to how much I was invested in the Pat Phelan story. Oh, no. The character we had a really intense reaction, didn't we? <laughs> I mean, that out of everything, anything that's ever been on Coronation Street since the podcast started nearly 11 years ago now, that was the story that really gripped us the most. I don't know if we're articulating in a particularly 
illuminating way exactly it was, what it was we the liked twists, the it. unexpected things like Andy turning up alive, the shock deaths. I thought all of the supporting characters around it are all ones that I really enjoyed. Yeah, that um, helps. Todd, Nicola, Eileen, Michael, or, or Seb. I, th- I thought they were they were really and a flaming window. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean that that was all part of it. You know, that was another what was she raped or wasn't she? Bit of controversy, wasn't it? There. Well, some people there was, still don't get that either. There were so many memorable scenes. The fight with Gary Windass being clonked over the head with a with a two by four. I'm running away. The, the 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 scene at the at the park with Nicola when she turns against him. The 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 top of the building when you remember when he takes Eileen up and you think is he gonna push her off like you it's just on the edge of your seat stuff all the way where you thought at any moment he could he could explode or or do something deadly <laughs> the the scene where he where he gets um um hoodwinked by uh, by Vinny, and then he goes into the van and just is like ah, ah, ah and then the van you know the one he's yeah. spitting on the wind so much but we we talk about all this in our pat feeling special episode he's the only character that we i mean we do we suppose we do it all the time now these days it'd just be a bonus podcast wouldn't it but he yeah we we did a special one-off very long episode it's like three hours just about pat feeling that we released at the time so if um if anyone wants to hear any more about exactly why that character was so special to us then um do go ahead and check that out on our uh, on our podcast feed or youtube channel I know that, you know, and you bring up that, you know, some of the criticisms about it were how dark and gritty it was, but that's not your opinion. Um, but that that's one of the reasons we liked it. And I'm saying again, even though I've said it about a million times, Corey's always had those elements of very scary, dark, yeah. murderous things that happened, like... Not um, always to the same extent or no, the same not, frequency not as, prolonged, as you get not as it prolonged, but, but it's always the only reason I'm bringing it up is because, um, I'm, you know, you guys know, like you bring up the cancer storyline stuff and about how I said that I'd prefer a murderer to cancer. Um, and when it comes to saying about medical stories, I, I'm not even going to criticise Coronation Street for having those in because, again, just like with the dark stuff, Coronation Street right back at the very beginning, even had stories like that, where, you know, for example, Ina Sharple's daughter turned up with a brain tumour and died in the house. And um, Ina never told her that she had a brain tumour. So for however long it was, what people watching Corrie were watching this woman suddenly die of brain cancer. Well, even in the very first couple of weeks of Coronation Street, you had Mae Hardman die. Yeah. So so very tragic medical, medical, sad medical things have been a part of the show you know, mm. as long as weird, fantastical, murderous things. Yeah. It's it's all and, and it's because it's even though it's it's exaggerated, these are all stories that people conceivably could experience in their life. Yeah. And that's kind of what Corey's about. And I think that, you know, when I'm when we moan about Coronation Street or find a week boring or think, Oh my gosh, what's the state of the show at the moment? I do think back to stories like the Pat Phelan story and think, yeah, but but one day there might be another story that we're into just as much as that. And it was only five, six years ago, wasn't it? I mean, I think the, the, the one other thing that I thought about about 
that it was because there were lots of other great stories going on at the same time as it like the bethany grooming story was concurrent so was the who pushed ken down the stairs story honestly it was just a really great era and it all kind of built up to us having really really strong positive feeling towards the show at that point who pushed ken going on at the same time as pat Phelan on the rampage is peak coronation street yeah. You know, if you're going to look back at a single episode of Coronation Street, what's the best single episode? Tram Crush, hands down. No co- contest. But when, when it comes to, like, the best era... For, why? No, no, it's interesting. I don't know whether... Have I ever heard you say that for sure? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Why? What do you think? No, I don't know. I think that is a good choice. I'd have to think of some more. I've probably got... But when it I've comes to what's, contenders. like, the best era for storylines, very strong, that... Pat Phelan and, and Who Push Can stuff all happening at the same time. Excellent. Yeah. And interestingly as well, like I said earlier, um, the 2002 that we were in in ITV3 at the moment, um, with with Richard, he's just at the moment, he's starting to make Audrey, starting to gaslight Audrey and make her think that she's lost the keys and everything. And that stuff was all great. But equally at the same time, a lot of other things that are going on at that period i'm i'm not finding interesting in the slightest again i i think it's worth pointing out that i'm also aware that you have rose tinted glasses and you don't remember everything that happened and maybe if we listen back to some of the episodes where we're talking about it at the time oh for sure we might have a different opinion but nostalgia adds an element doesn't it and so looking back on it it was a very good time in Coronation Street. Yeah. Well, I hope I hope that explains that. Does that, that, um, that explain anything else? Alice. Or does that just waffle? <laughs> Maybe a bit of both. Bit okay. of both. Right. We are done for today's episode. I do want to say thank you very much to a new patron that's joined Yay! us this week, Louise. Thank Ta you. very much, Chuck, for um, for sending Please some do patronage your uh, our way. Join our patron. This is a great time to start. Um, we're going to be sorting out the gifts for top tier patrons very soon literally You've also we need to got that out in the next 30 week or two. plus episodes for, for well not for free but for there for you to listen to and a monthly one top fives <laughs> we won't get uh ai to write all of them but <laughs> but well, you could just support us on patreon for just a dollar if you want to as well or however much that is in your currency or our currency even don't even know what that is in pounds but you anymore. Can, don't have to it's, um, it's email bad. us at conversationstreet at gmail.com find us at conversationstreet.podbean.com that's where you can find all the special episodes too there's a list of them and you can find oh. out what episodes and you can also listen to it on the website you can find us on iTunes leave us a review you can score us on Spotify where we're also available I guess we're on Stitcher too we were probably on lots of things that I've never heard of I think we're on Amazon yeah yep Instagram, keep an eye out yeah I was going to say Twitter. keep an eye out on our um, on our social media feeds over the weekend check out the social media as meets. we're hopefully able to um, be posting some Manchester pics we haven't got loads and loads planned to be honest at the moment we're our plans are on do the, do the tour um, um, we also there might be more who knows have our YouTube shorts, which we're pushing at the moment. I did one. Oh yes, I didn't even mention that. Oh, God, I got to the end of the episode and not even mentioned. Gemma has learnt a new skill. I've, I've, we both learnt new skills this week, haven't we? I taught you how to edit videos and put text in them and everything. Do you reckon you'd be able to? No. You do one yourself. I'm going to make you do one over the next no. week just to uh, just to so it doesn't lose. Do it. In Gemma's video about our favourite features yeah, of you... Roy's Rolls, good. Yeah. 
I did do a little bit of it. I made Roy and Nina pop in at the beginning. What did you learn, Michael? I learned how to make vector drawings because apparently that's all the rage at the moment and graphics are all made using vectors. So I downloaded a vector program on my Mac. And What's I it ma- called? Uh, I don't remember. Vectors for you. I don't remember. Vectornator or something like that. And now we have a vector version of our podcast logo so, so I can, can make it really really everyone. small or really really big and I don't know what else but it might be good for so for this sticking is so we can we can print stuff. it on the head of a pin and we can also print it on the side of the viaduct exactly exactly using what? the same file <laughs> that's it that's it right um thank you everybody for listening um hope the street talk bit was good in the middle don't know the street we'll find talk out was tomorrow. our finest hour I'm sure it was um, keep an eye on all our socials over the next week or so, um, and we will, be, we will be back next week with more Coronation Street themed chatter. So until then, goodbye from me. Bye from me. And the music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. 